episode 239, Hot Shots, Scott, the Mother's Day edition. Oh, yeah. Are you all stressed out? Oh, sure, yeah. You're here with me on Mother's Day? I am, Do yeah. Do I look like your mother? No, you do not. <laughs> But she was funnier than you. We'll put it that that's the only difference. Really? No, she wasn't. Is that to say she was funny? Or is that to say that I'm not funny? Or is it a combination of both? Like I I can honestly say that my dad is very funny. It was, rest in peace. Very he was very quick and witty. Yeah. My sister's a huge, smart ass, very funny. Yes. Mom, not really funny. I just have to say it. God love her. Rest of it. Not a funny person. Did she think she was funny? No. Oh, no that's no. a good thing. It is a good thing. It's a nice quality to know when you're not funny. That it, <laughs> they're hard to find, by the way. No one admits to not being funny or being a bad driver. Those are the two no one admits to. Uh, Marco Island, Florida. Hello, episode 239. There is a 239 area code. I'll oh, cool. You know. And it's in the great state where you're not allowed to talk about. Yep. On the other stuff segment, the great state of Florida, Marco Island, the Fort Myers area, oh. Naples, Florida. Oh. This is all on the other side of the state. We don't know these people. We don't. We don't know these places. I don't. When you say the other side. Yeah, like the the west coast of Florida. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, trying to I'm on now. the east coast of oh, Florida. Oh, boy. Or was on the. I, I'm in Bellevue, Washington <laughs> yeah. now, but I used to. Be. You couldn't be further away from the east coast of Florida. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers yes. out there. Where would we be without you? This episode 239 of Mitch Unfiltered is available on all podcast platforms. Hot Shot. Subscribe. Rate us, please, on Apple. We could use some new ratings. Also, did you know, Hotshot, that I host several weekly short shows yep. available to Mitch Unfiltered patrons at just five bucks a month? P-Shows with Danny O'Neill and Slickhawk, Matt Miklas. The Mariners No Table just did one with Jason Churchill and Joe Doyle and cracking No Tables after every playoff game. Coming soon, Play better golf with PGA Tour winner Rick Fair. This is all, these are all short form shows, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, not the the three hour extravaganza that you and I do. <laughs> One of them, on uh, Monday, yeah. somebody called it snackable content. It's a good way to put it, I think, yeah, right? Isn't that what they said? Snackable. Snackable content? Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. Know if they said that, but that's good. You don't think so? Did One of the reviews? I think somebody said that. I think you yeah. read that last week. I did. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a great way to put it. All of it for just $5 a month. Can't do better. Just go to MitchUnfiltered.com to become a patron. You can also reach me directly by uh, clicking the contact link on MitchUnfiltered.com, or you can just write me, Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com, like Kevin Daniels did. Oh, good. Would you like to hear from Kevin sure. Daniels? Sure. Sure. Dear Mitch, I moved from Baltimore to Seattle in 1996 and listened to you ever since. It was refreshing to hear a fellow East Coast guy and your opinionated yet pragmatically reasoned and always entertaining takes on the local and national sports panorama. <laughs> That's the word he used. Yes. Okay. I wouldn't come up with that No, word. you wouldn't. <laughs> when you left KJR, there was a massive void on the local sports dial, and upon learning about this podcast, I have been delighted to find that the magic of your original show so seamlessly translates, Hotshot. That being said, until now... I have been admittedly stubborn about taking the patron plunge as my general attitude towards monthly subscriptions is that we are all being slowly nickled and dimed to death. Yeah. Which, I, which we all we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like they have those services that will go through and find all your, the things you've signed up for that you don't even maybe remember. Oh, yeah. Can you point me out? They, they'll Can do you it. Point me towards one of those. I need one of those services. They'll do it for you. I swear. I. I walk around every day thinking that I'm not not only subscribing to the things I don't know about, yeah. 
but I think I'm subscribing to certain places twice. <laughs> you probably are. Like, I'm convinced <laughs> I'm paying four different subscriptions to ESPN Plus. Oh. Because a lot of things that I bought, like even cars and stuff, <laughs> yeah. come with ESPN Plus. Like the phone. When I went and got my upgraded new phone many, many months ago. Yeah. Hey, you got an ESPN Plus subscription. Okay, Woo! great. I think I'm paying like... Yeah. For eight ESPN Plus subscriptions. Yeah. So there's places that'll go so through and find everything that you're subscribed to. How do I, where do I find I it? I don't know what they're called. I don't, I don't want to do an ad form right Help now. Me, but please. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. We should have invented That's actually a pretty good service. It's a great huh? idea. Because yeah. yes. sometimes like you'll forget you'll sign up for uh, two months free, but you got to put your card in. <laughs> and you've been paying ever since. And then they just automatically take it out. Right. God knows what I'm signing. I don't even right. want to know what Piper signed up for, what your kids have signed. Who knows, right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. So yeah, we are being nickel and dime to death. This guy's right. Yet alas, he says, today I can't with any integrity continue to listen to you for free. So I'm relenting. Thanks for so many years of high quality interviews and engaging content. Yours in East Coastness, Kevin Daniels. There you go. Nice to have Kevin. Kevin brings up an interesting topic that you and I have never really dug into, and that is the decision to charge people for bonus content. Yeah. That was made way back before episode one, and it was not a decision that I that I made like off the cuff. I can't make as ask my wife. I can't make any decisions off the cuff. Okay, it, I have to overanalyze what? every little thing. Yeah, come on, are you, you? are you gonna change the channel? Well, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> you overthink something sometimes. I, I do. Okay, maybe a few times. Yeah, yeah. The two of us, my wife and I, talked about this, and I was like, should I? You know, a lot of people are doing the Patreon thing. I want to do the Monday shows for free, but I also want to generate a little bit of revenue. I want to do weekday shows. What should I do? I went back and forth on whether I was going to charge people for the bonus content, for the weekly, you know, the weekly set of, of short form shows. And I remember she said to me, well, what, what do you want the podcast to be? What do you want this to be? Yeah. If it survives a few years, what would you like it to ultimately be? And I said to her that I would like to ultimately have all the guys, all the friends, all the voices, all the faces that people are interested in join me kind of on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And then she said, well, are you going to pay those guys if they're going to be regular guests? Yeah. And I said, I will insist on paying those guys. Right. Which, of course, she said, well, how are you paying those guys? Of course, that's next, yes. She, she said, are you paying those guys or are we paying those guys? <laughs> right. I would bet that if you looked into podcasts around the world, very few guests get paid. Regular guests get paid. I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that. But it seems to me that, you know, there's so many podcasts and it's so challenging to get any kind of stream of revenue coming in from a podcast yeah. that guests very rarely, I'll bet you could kind of one and guests getting paid to do podcasts. Right. Yeah. But I never wanted to do that. I never wanted to have, you know, Rick Neuheisel or Peter King or Jason Lockenfor or you or anybody do anything regularly and not at the very least give them a stipend. Right. Obviously, I'm not going to pay them a lot of money. I can't pay everybody a lot of money. But I always wanted to be the guy that gave them a little something, a little pocket change for coming on the show, many of which actually fight with me over this. Peter King has sent me checks, but I can't do anything with 
with PayPal or Venmo with certain guys because they don't know anything oh, about that. Yeah. So I have to literally write checks and send them through the mail. <laughs> Peter Where's King. my checkbook? I haven't seen it in two years. <laughs> That's what you hear on my house. I've got it. I'm, I've been subscribing to ESPN <laughs> Plus with it. A checkbook. Okay, go ahead. Peter King <laughs> has literally sent me checks back oh, with God. notes yeah. like, Come on, Mitch, you're a friend. I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Nobody else pays me. Why should you pay me? And we have fights over this. Rick Neuheisel, Rick Neuheisel will conveniently forget to deposit. He's another guy, no PayPal, no Venmo. Oh, jeez. Got to send him a, a written <laughs> check. He will kind of suspiciously forget to deposit a check. And uh -huh. I have to call him and say, hey, my checkbook isn't balancing this month would you please deposit the ah, why yeah. jason lockenfora won't take the money i have to send it to his wife's venmo to get them to take the money <laughs> and i explain to all of these people when i do it i do it because i want to do it it's really more for me they, they what, what, it's just a few bucks right they, right right they, it's, it's not life-changing yeah, they're not buying they're not buying planes with this money. Yes. But it makes me feel good. This is what I tell all of these guys. It right. makes me feel good to be able to throw a few bucks to all of my regular guests. And so I do that. Yeah. It's not a lot of money that I that I give to all you guys, but it adds up. I mean, think about it. Hotshot Scott, producer Steve, Rick Neuheisel, Randy Mueller, Peter King, Jason Lockenford, Danny O'Neill, Slickhawk, Brady Henderson and Joe Fan for the Seahawks note table, Jason Churchill, Joe Doyle for the Mariners note table, RJ Eskinos, Darren Brown, Dylan Travers for the Kraken note table. Yeah. If you're out of town, yeah. if Slickhawk co-hosts or if Matt Stretch Johnson co Dave Grosby, got to send it through the mail. Got to send him oh, a check no. through the mail. <laughs> got a nice thank you note for him. The point is there's one, What? how many did I just say? One, two, three, four, five. There's like 15 different, 16 different people that we're regularly paying. Right. Not a lot, but it adds up. Sure. And so that's the reason why we, more than anything, we charge $5 a month for patronage. Not that's to squeeze all. every nickel out of our listeners that we possibly can. I'm trying not to be one who's nickel and diming everybody. I guess you, you already put me in that category. Yeah. So I guess I can't, I can't fight that. I can't argue that. But you but do give free content as well. This. Yeah, right. Well, well so, this is this is three hours. Right, so right, you're not and nickel and diming hours. everyone. You don't no, have to pay to listen to Mitchie the no, Kid. No, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah, so I but, wouldn't call it nickel and diamond. You already oh, did. You already kind of did. Well, I said we all feel nickel and diamond. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this plus, this plus, ESPN plus, all these pluses, I got to pay for it. Anyway, so in order to throw a few dollars the way of all of these guys that do regular appearances, yep. I think it just, it makes sense. It makes more economic sense that way than to be taking Sharon's bank account and sending it to Peter King, <laughs> to Darren Brown, and R.J. Eskinos. Mitchie, Graz here. No PayPal. <laughs> no Venmo. Here's my address. <laughs> Actually, it was more like, what's PayPal and what's Venmo? <laughs> he may have. It doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah, we got a lot of those guys on here. That's funny. One, two, three. I won't name them. Already did. Four. Yeah, there's about, oh, Mueller. Yeah. Really? None oh, of yeah. these guys? No. Wow. No, old-fashioned. Yeah. Got to send them a check through the mail. By the way, I'm finding that PayPal is a little outdated now. Yeah. Most people are doing Venmo. Most people do Venmo, yes. And then there's probably other ones besides Venmo. Probably Cash app. Ones. and yeah. You can do Zelle through your bank, yeah. whatever Zelle is. Yeah. But yeah. So, 
Yeah, I got to get on PayPal and do oh. certain ones. I got to do Venmo, certain ones. Got to send certain ones during the, you know, during the week. Got to write out checks and send out uh, certain ones. Licking envelopes anyway, in 2023. Anyway, that's the story. But it is cleaner sometimes to pay people for their time. And because at some point you're going to, hey, Rick, I have to reschedule. Can you do five instead of, you know, it's so, so you want to feel like it's more of a business transaction, right? Because you don't want him to go, you know what? Who needs it? Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, he's not paying me none anything. None of those guys mind. Are you sure? No. <laughs> That's like, what they say. Like, if someone wants to give me drugs, I'd rather pay for it because at some point I'm going to want to come back and I don't want you to think I'm being greedy, you know? Oh, the exact God. same metaphor you were going to use. I'm no, sorry, no, I stole not exactly. It. Oh, okay. Not exactly. But anyway, <laughs> I, you know, I like doing it. And every one of them, or not every one of them, those that talk to me about it will say, no one else does. Yeah. You know, Lock and Ford will say, I'm on a million of these things. Yeah. Every week I'm on a million of these things. No one else sends me money. Why do you <laughs> why should my buddy in Seattle say and I am like, I wanna I wanna it's for me, not for you. I wanna feel like yeah. I'm different. That Mitch Unfiltered is different. I always wanted the show to be a little different. To it's nice stand to out. Respect That's people's all. time and their knowledge, you know? It's nice of you. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. A cup of coffee at Starbucks. There you go. That's really all it is. A little different guest setup for episode 239. We've done this before. By the way, tell me you listened to Illinois defensive coordinator Aaron Henry. Loved him. I asked you faithfully on the last show, episode 238, Mm -hmm. to at the very least check out the interview with defensive coordinator Aaron Henry. Spoon. Yeah. Devin Witherspoon's defensive backs coach at Illinois. There's a great song by a Seattle's own sound garden called Spoon Man. And that should be his theme now really? that he's in walk Seattle. Up, you want to walk up oh, music? For football, I don't know football, how that would work. No, but yeah, he's work. not a pro wrestler, is he? He's a Seattle Seahawks. He's kind yeah, of a Seattle Seahawks. Anyway, I love his grandparents. I don't know them. They're not in my family. I've never met them. I love them more than anyone could. I mean, his grandma, I mean, just taking them in. And, and you know, it sounds like he was just craving some structure and a little bit of parenting, and he just skyrocketed after that. Such a great story. But how about the decision the mom's got to make? Yeah. Yeah. The mom's got like nine daughters and him, something like that. Uh The father's in jail. Yep. The mother and father are communicating, jail to the outside, and they're trying to decide what's best for their son. Yeah. Think about the excruciating decision that the mother's got, even though it is the grandparents and she'll have access to him and whatever. Right. But think about that moment where you've decided with your your husband who's in in jail, what's best for him is that he's not with me anymore, yeah. that he goes live with them. That to me is the most heart, I don't know, warming, breaking, it's both. Yeah. I mean, it's everything. And then he he takes that opportunity with his grandparents and makes the most of it and becomes a a great student and a great athlete and a, yep. a, a big 10 all American and an all academic big time. I mean, how about that? Isn't Incredible. It yeah. And then the nice thing is at the end, he tells you that he's got a great relationship with, uh, with his sisters. And I was glad you asked that because it felt like it was kind of winding down. And then you yeah. asked it. So I was, yeah, I, wanted I was to know afraid too. of the answer. Right. I was yeah. like, while he was talking, I was saying to myself, do I ask it? Do I not ask it? Mm. Am I afraid that I might ask a question where the answer is not so fun? Right. Then I thought, I'll edit that out. (laughs) The beauty of the podcast. Beauty of the podcast. (laughs) That's right. Uh, So I went ahead and asked, and I'm kind of glad that I did. And he didn't seem to not appreciate the the question at the end. But did he have you excited for Devin Witherspoon? It's crazy. Because like you said, they always pump you up, right? I mean, they're the greatest player who ever lived, according to their coach. And I understand why. You get, you know, he bristled at my. My thought that he doesn't have top end speed. Did you hear that? He didn't like that very much. No, he. I didn't. don't know who told you that. Yeah, 
Yeah, and then he re- reels off four, four, forty, and yeah. this and that. You yeah. know, about yeah. And I, I, I like how the only thing he was better than Spoon at in college was shit talking. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only the only area where he he might be a little better better oh. than him in college. No, that was great. That was God. A, if Spoon a is if Spoon is oh. half the player that that guy says he's going to be, get it right. He's going to be freaking Deion Sanders. Right. I know. I know. And this is why I actually like preseason games. It's the first time you get to see him. I know it might be against turds. I don't care, but let's see this guy. I can't wait. I can't wait to see him. Yeah. It's going to be fun. So a little different of a lineup on episode 239. We do this from time to time. Not often, but I've compiled some of my favorite interviews over the last couple of years for this episode 239. Okay. It's got a Mother's Day feel. The top two interviews, there's going to be four of them. Okay. I went back and I looked over the last couple of years and I was like, I like that one. And I like that one. Mm-hmm. And I like, and I picked about nine that I liked. And then I had to let it simmer for a, for a day or two. And then I was like, okay, these are my four. Yeah. Because I just figured that people are not going to go back, way back and, you know, previous page, previous page, yeah. previous they get page. Buried. And, find, and, yeah. and people don't know which ones I love. And I'm guessing that most of our listeners, maybe not, maybe not. Maybe you're going to tell me most of our listeners have heard every interview that I've ever done. I don't know. If they have, then there's no reason to listen to any. <laughs> But my guess is is some people that are listening to this episode 239 might not have heard a couple or one of these four. Okay. Who's the NBA Rookie of the Year? Oh, the, uh, the kid from O'Day? Correct. Paolo Ronda. Boncaro. Ronda's kid. Ronda's kid. <laughs> I knew you, Ronda long before him. <laughs> do you remember Ronda Smith Boncaro's interview with me? She was kind of a hard ass on him as a kid, if I remember correctly, uh, wasn't she? It was a very enlightening yeah, interview. Yeah, yeah. I thought she showed tremendous personality. Yeah. She was willing to let us co- go in, to let us in behind the curtain, how she raised Paolo. Yep, yep. And I thought that that was a particularly interesting interview, and I thought for Mother's Day, she's the mother of the NBA's Rookie of the Year, She'll be interview number one if you missed Rhonda Smith-Boncaro, who was a terrific women's basketball player in her own right at the University of Washington, then in the WNBA. She might have been the all-time leading scorer when she left. She she might have been for a long time. Yeah, she was Until Kelsey Plum maybe came along? Probably, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, she was absolutely... I don't remember her that way. I do. She was a total stud in college, yeah. What I remember is interviewing her. Then getting off the phone and being scared. <laughs> no kidding, man. <laughs> I know. She was she, tough. She did not play when he was a kid. Like, there was no sugarcoating anything. And she was happy to tell you, too. Tell us all about it. Yep. So she's interview number one. If you didn't hear from Rhonda smith Boncaro, I think you'll, you'll like that very much. Interview number two. Don't know if you listen to this. You'll probably remember the story. Mary Ruland lost her young athletic son, Conrad, to a brain aneurysm on December the 12th, 2016. Okay. It's kind of a heartbreaking story that has an amazing and uplifting twist of where his heart ended up. I don't want to say too much yeah, more. Yeah, I remember it. Do you remember hearing about it or do you remember no, hearing I, I the interview? No, I listened to it, yeah. Oh, God, you're going to tell me you heard all four of them, aren't you? But I don't remember where it went, though. Oh. But there was, like, I remember, a connection. Oh, yeah, oh. it's, like, almost, crazy. Almost eerie, yes. Like, if you pitch that in a movie studio. Correct, they'd call you crazy. They'd like, say, you're making it up. There's no way. That could any, never happen. No. Yeah, yeah. No one would ever believe that. I remember it being that. that crazy. It's got to be a believable story if we're going to do it here at Disney. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, Mary Rulin lost her athlete of a son about seven years ago. His organs ended up, his heart ended up somewhere else. Not going to say any anything more. People really liked that interview. I remember the reaction. A lot of this, 
of the ones that I've chosen are the ones that I remember getting a lot of reaction to on my email. Okay, good. So she's number two, another mother-son relationship for Mother's Day. Number three, statistically, he was one of, if not the greatest UW quarterback of all time. Oh. But he's not thought of it of that way. I think I know who you're talking Cody about. Cody Pickett. Yeah, his stats are gaudy. He and- threw for something like 10,000 <laughs> yards and over 50 touchdowns, <laughs> right. though. When somebody says great UW quarterbacks, he doesn't get nope. mentioned, even though his stats are crazy. It's weird. You'll also recall that at 40 or 41 years old, in top physical condition, he had a health scare. Mm. Was it heart related? It's heart related. Yeah, that's right. I'll say no more. Okay. Cody Pickett is interview number three. If you didn't hear that interview, you want to hear that interview. And finally, interview number four. I love this guy. I, I had to put it in. Ryan Passborg is his name. Okay. He's from Green River, Wyoming. He's driving to work at like 4.30 in the morning one morning. He's late to work. Mm -hmm. He overslept his alarm clock or he's late to work. He's in a hurry. And he sees a house afire. Yep. And we always ask, what would you do if you saw just a random house ablaze? Yeah. We'd all like to think we'd run right into the house and save all the people. Yes. He did. He sure did. He did. Yep. And he tells us the story. I love this guy. He was great. Interview number four. So those are the four interviews on episode 200. I love it. Nice and uplifting for everybody. Yes, they are. Yeah, they, no, I'm saying are they you, are. You're saying no, that like, sarcastic. No, now. like uh, inspiring. You're a shot. Inspiring Stop stories shot. for Mother's Day. It's nice. <laughs> you're going to tell me you heard all four interviews. And you don't even listen to me. It's Unfiltered. weird that I have because no, I don't listen to this show. I don't show. think you have. <laughs> I think you remember me talking about the interviews. I think you picked four that I actually listened to for some reason. <laughs> it is pretty rare these days. I mean, I got to hear, you know, Tom Sawyer by Rush, you know, for the 4,000th time in my car. I don't have time for new content. I mean, come on. Hot shot before we officially begin episode 239. A few words about our partners like Zeke's Pizza. I love how Dan and the boys celebrate the local teams. They had $5 pints at some of the locations for the Kraken games. Ordering via the Zeke's Pizza app has gotten easier than ever. A complete overhaul. Download and try it. Homegrown in the Northwest. John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions. Whether it's a brand new fireplace inside or outside, they did one in our backyard or garage doors. Begin your search at firesidehomesolutions.com. The Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. You know, if you go by everything you read and hear about interest rates and the Fed, you'd never buy a house. Then why are houses still being sold? Because of creative mortgage people like Jordan Flowers and his team. If you're buying a home, a second home, an investment piece, just give Jordan a call. 425-890-2957. That's 425-890-2957. Daniel's Broiler for special occasions. Mother's Day was killer at the four locations, and now with the weather changing, you must consider the outside dining at Daniel's Broiler, on the deck at Les Shy, the seaplanes at South Lake Union, overlooking the world at Bellevue Place, danielsbroiler.com. You gotta love Daniel's Broiler, a world-class steakhouse. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors, certified financial planners, and experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning taxes and investments under one roof. EvergreenGK.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth. Episode 239, Mitch Unfiltered, begins right now. 
Unfiltered. All in all, the Mariners have won a couple of series in a row. They're 500. They've shaken, at least for the time being, the Astros monkey off of their shoulder a little bit, off of their back. They yeah. beat them two out of three. Unfiltered. They, they call it late life. It's got late life. Uh-huh. Bryce Miller's got late life. But here's the problem with the late life. Okay. The late life couldn't get anybody out in double-A a couple of weeks ago. He has like a five ERA in double-A. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 239 is now officially underway. Yes, it is. Are you enjoying this hot weather we're having Love in Seattle? the hot weather. You do, Where really? Where am I from? Yeah, that's true. I get. I, I really get a kick out of how we complain for about nine months of the year. Yeah. And then it gets beautiful <laughs> on the warm side. And I hear, oh, my God, it's too hot. <laughs> Never happy. Can't be happy. I know. Come on. I know. I love it, too. All of us are complaining, bitching, and moaning every day. It's rainy and 56 degrees. <laughs> right. It's gray at 10 a.m. in the morning. Game's canceled. It's gray. Games it's, are yeah, canceled. Sucks. And we get an 80-degree day, and I hear, well, 72 is a lot better. That's right. 72 is perfect. I mean, that's perfect for me. This is a little too hot. We've got Mariners news. We've got Kraken news. We've got Seahawks news. Where do you want to begin? Episode 239. I mean, the Kraken are about to play a game seven as we record this. Game number... No, not as we record this. It's on Monday night. Oh, it is? As people listen to it. It's not on Sunday. Oh, okay. But they're going to play a game seven last I heard. They're going to play a game... A second game seven. You know, they played a game seven. Against the Avs? Against the Colorado Avalanche, who were the defending champions, and they were hosting game seven, and everybody thought, at least I did, Kraken ain't winning this game. Right. They are not beating the defending champs on the road in a game seven. This is not going to happen. And I believe they were minus 220. The odds were minus 220 uh-huh. on the Kraken to win game seven against the Avalanche. Which means they were nope. worse than two to one against to win game seven against the Avalanche. Not plus 220. The Avalanche. Oh, were Avalanche minus, were minus. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Avalanche <clears throat> were minus 220 to win the game. So overwhelming favorites to win a hockey game. Right. And we know what happened. Do you know what the odds are this time? Yes. Of course you do. <laughs> Go on. Minus 210. Okay. Last time I checked. Almost the same. Almost the same. Yeah. I said on the latest edition of the Kraken Note Table, I give them a 30% chance. I'm go- I'm calling it 30-70. Okay. And the guys were like, what? It's a toss-up. Huh. It's game seven. They're yeah. great on the road. It's a toss-up. I'm like, come on, come on. I don't know anything about hockey. That's yeah. why I have you guys. But if this game were played 10 times... Under the exact same situation, under the exact same conditions and yeah. circumstances. Groundhog's Day type. Game thing, yeah. seven. Winner goes on, loser goes home with the firepower on Dallas versus the firepower on the Kraken. If these two teams play 10 times in Dallas in front of their home crowd, mm-hmm. how many times would the Kraken win? I think they'd win three out of 10. I think Dallas would win seven out of ten. I don't think that that's preposterous. Even though I know nothing about hockey, I think that's about right. Three out of ten, seven out of ten. I no, think that's about fair. Yeah. About fair. Yeah, I think so. And that's what minus two ten is. Yeah, right. By the way, well, minus two hundred would be sixty six percent, thirty three percent. So it's minus two ten. So it's creeping up on seventy thirty. That there doesn't that doesn't mean they won't win on Monday night. This could be one of the three of the ten. It could. Yeah. Yes. No, I think so. Um, to your novice hockey viewing eyes. Terrible. I know nothing about the sport. Is it just me? Did Colorado just look like a better team than Dallas? Or have you not had that thought? No. You haven't? Okay. 
Because for some reason, the abs looked scary to me. They looked insanely fast, and they had like two Hall of Famers. Yes. And God, they well, felt like a well, good got This a team couple. doesn't feel that good to me. Or feel as good as Colorado, I should say. Well, maybe because Colorado has like two or three guys that are all world. Right. The defensive player, McCarr, who knocked the McCann out. Right. Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. This Ranton and guy. It seemed like they had two or three God. like all world players. And maybe Dallas is more balanced, but I don't get the feeling watching Dallas or Colorado or Colorado or Dallas uh-huh. that there's a huge difference. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I mean, I don't, what do I know? Every time I look up the Ranton and guys, just. Pounding one into the back of the net, it felt like the guy was just unstoppable. The thing that I can't get out of my head is until just recently, when I say just recently, the 90s or whatever, <laughs> these guys were not wearing helmets. Uh, uh, crazy, right? You, I know. Uh, goalies! And, and <laughs> I'm talking goalies. Right. I will show you pictures Unreal. in like 1980 or 1975. Goalies yeah. sitting there in goal facing 100 mile an hour shots. I know. With no helmet. Wouldn't get their teeth fixed. Just, it was almost a point of pride, you know. I know, crazy. Like, who was the biggest wimp that that came up with the the whole helmet thing? I wonder who the first one was that he probably just got and laughed then, at. And, and then they made it now so that you can't, you've got to have visors now. Some guys are grandfathered in. If you were playing before a certain time. If you came into the league a certain time, you don't have to have a visor. But now, God. forget helmets. It's visors. You yeah, yeah, I'd like to have a visor. That'd be nice. Yeah, <laughs> who's against it? And like every square inch of their body is oh. just protected now. Every square inch. Should be. Just about, yeah. That thing is coming fast. Oh, boy. Is it com- and sometimes they, they put their hand up like, like they're like catching a softball or a baseball. <laughs> like it's nothing. Just uh, bloop. Yep. The reflexes are crazy. Yep. Yeah. Game seven. So fun. Monday night. Can the Kraken pull it off? I kind of doubt it, but we'll all watch and we'll see what happens. I kind of doubt it, too. I think it might get ugly. You do? Yeah, like a 5-1. Oh. Yeah. Would it help you if I told you that the last time that the Dallas Stars hosted a Game 7 of a playoff series yeah. was 2016? I'm doing this off the top of my head, kind of, okay. sort of. The St. Louis Blues came in for Game 7 to Dallas. Final score... Blues six, Dallas one. Wow. A completely a re- different team than we're going to play. No, it doesn't help me yet. Go a on. A repeat of that is coming on Monday night. <laughs> really? The road team six. Let's go. The home team one. Did I see a stat that 17 different players have scored? That's correct. For the Kraken? Yeah, it's at least 17. It might be more than 17. It might be more now, now yeah. yeah. That's unbelievable. That's really, I mean, I talk about Balance. spreading it around. Yeah, Balance, yeah, yeah depth. They don't, have, they don't have the superstar, though. Yeah. Do the, you need the superstar? Guess we'll find out after. Do you need uh, the Nathan seven. McKinnon? Do you need the Austin Matthews? Do you need yeah. the Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers? Do you need one of those guys? Get <laughs> you rattling off. Oh, guy. I'm, all, I'm all about hockey now. Mark Messier. Is he still playing? Hockey. Messier not playing no, anymore? No, he's out? No. Yeah, okay. Eric Lindros still playing? No, no, he's out too. Okay. Mario Lemieux's out. Oh, he is. Okay. Wayne Gretzky's out. Oh, they are. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm done. Oh, Patrick Wawa. Oh. First goaltender you've you've mentioned. By the way, the standing on the head. Golf with him. You did. Yeah, I did. Tell me he crushes it. Oh, <laughs> does he really? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> Patrick Roy playing uh, very quiet. Didn't say much the whole the whole eighteen holes. Playing hockey his whole life. I'm sure he's got a little power behind his golf swing. If you yeah, these hockey guys can really hit it. Yeah, I'm sure. No question about it. All right, the Mariners. What could I tell you about the Mariners? They had a chance to sweep the Detroit Tigers in the first series of the road trip. And they got 
Matt Brashed or they mm. got Scott serviced. I keep hearing about how Matt Brash has the best stuff of anybody in all of Major League Baseball. And yet every time he comes in, <laughs> he makes leads go away mm. and he makes deficits larger. That's all I know. Yeah. And then people tweet me, Mitch, you don't understand baseball. It's all bad luck. There's metrics. There's saber metrics. His ball, his batting average of balls in play. He's very unlucky. This is not about Matt Brash. This is about misfortune. He's been incredible. Even Dan Wilson, my friend Dan Wilson, when he came into the game on Saturday, Matt Brash came into the game on Saturday. Wilson said on Mariners TV, yeah. he's had a spectacular season. The really? guy's got a 5.4 ERA. <laughs> it's like I haven't been watching. Right. He's got a 5.4 ERA. He allows about two base runners for every innings pitched that he's out there. He walks guys. Yes, he's got incredible wiffle ball movement on all of his pitches. Yeah. It's like, Mitch, you're not seeing what you're seeing. Hmm. It's people are trying to convince me so hard that this guy has been totally unlucky. And yet on Sunday... Let's see. Four batters faced. The first one flies out. The second one walks. The third one gets hit by a pitch. And the fourth one walks. But you should, when he got hit by the pitch, that thing was moving like a whiffle oh, ball. You God, should see he's the got movement. Great stuff. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. I love that. But that annoys me, and a, a great piece of hitting annoys me. <laughs> I don't know why. I can't stand a great piece of hitting. He's got late movement on the fastball. Oh, he does. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know what that late movement is? Huh? On its way to center field. <laughs> the movement from the bat to over the fence? It's great movement. <laughs> yeah. Or the movement of from strike to outside the strike zone for ball four, mm. take your base. Or the movement from strike to hit by pitch, take your base with the bases loaded. Oh, that's nice. Forcing the tying and the go-ahead runs in. But people, oh, Mitch, you're an old man. You're a get-off-my-lawn. You have no idea yeah. how spectacular. Dan Wilson's right. He's been spectacular. Oh, he has been. Okay, yeah. good. Well, that's good to know when yeah. I see him blow a lead. Every game that I watch them lose because of him, <laughs> he's that much more spectacular. Good to know. That's correct. All right. Now... It's not all bad in Mariner land. He was part of the reason why they lost on Sunday. They had a chance to sweep and get two games over 500, but now they're back to 20 and 20. Part of the reason that they had a chance to sweep was the guy that we talked about last week, the hair, the mustache, the young Bryce effing Miller. Oh, right. Yeah, Bryce Miller. Have you watched Brett yeah, Bryce? sure. Three starts? Yep. 19 innings? Seven hits? One run? One walk? 18 strikeouts, ERA of 0.47. For all of you Matt Brash defenders, <laughs> you want numbers that work? This is what I like. Well, that's good. I'm glad we got him. I mean, with Robbie Ray going out, I was yes. like, great. That's kind of a big hole. Yeah, so now you've got Miller and you've got Kirby. Castillo. Logan Gilbert, Castillo. Gonzalez hasn't been half bad. Yeah. He has been half bad, half good and half bad. Okay. But kind of what we expected, though, from him. If Bryce Miller is anything close to this, right. they've got as good a rotation as anybody, but they need the bats. Yeah. Yeah. They need to score some runs. And then the Seahawks. Did you celebrate the national holiday this week? The NFL schedule release? Did you see all the hullabaloo about that? Everybody gets very excited people about it. People love it. Oh, my I God. Know. You look on Twitter in the morning and people are – Sources tell me that the Seahawks are going to play the Lions in week three. Wow, imagine. Oh. Woo! They're going to play another NFL team. That's, it's you kind of fun it. when you're a season ticket holder and you know you're going to be going to probably all the games. It's kind of fun to see who's coming to town, right? We know who's coming to town. Oh, we already town. knew, so we just now know times and all that. That's what people don't understand. Yeah. 
We knew as of the last game played in 2023. See, that's January, what I thought. I thought they... We knew exactly who their home games were going to be right, this year. Well, then... We knew exactly who their road games were going to be. The only thing we didn't know is what order they were going to be played <laughs> yeah, okay. and how many of them were going to be on Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Yeah. How many are going to be in prime time? Are you going to have a Thanksgiving oh. day game? We didn't know any of that. But we knew every team they were going to play and okay. where they were going to play. No, I'm not in every, on the hullabaloo. Every single people seem to forget that. Yeah, yeah, that is. I tweeted out at 5 o'clock Pacific time on the last Sunday 18 of the season last year exactly who the Seahawks were going to play this season at home and exactly who they were going to play on the road. But we didn't know the order. Right. So tell me the exciting part about the order. Is there? And we didn't know the network. Okay. Okay. Or we didn't know the announcers. Right. We still don't know the Oh, announcers. Chris Myers again. What do you know? They're going to play one Monday nighter. Okay. The fourth game of the season. One Monday night football game. That's it. They're going to play no Sunday nighters. How about that? Wow. Not one Sunday night game unless they're flexed. Right. They could be flexed. There's a game late in the season against Philadelphia that looks to my eye as a game that could be flexed to Sunday night. If the if the game that's on that Sunday night already scheduled is stinky, maybe they'll put the Seahawks okay. and Eagles on Sunday night. But as of now, no Sunday nighters, one Monday nighter, and two Thursday nighters. Okay. They have Thanksgiving night. You know where they added that game? Yeah. Thanksgiving night? Yeah, yeah. I kind of like it. It used to be Detroit in the morning, yep. Dallas in the afternoon, and then yep. we go to bed. That's right. Now it's Detroit in the morning, mm -hmm. Dallas in the afternoon, and then one other kind of primetime game that night yeah. on NBC. And this year, it will be the 49ers here mm. against the Seattle Seahawks. Weren't they on Thanksgiving a few years ago against yeah. the Niners? It's more than a few years ago, I think. Like 10 years, maybe? They grabbed that the, long ago? They grabbed the chicken. That's right. They, well, it's actually people eat turkey on Thanksgiving. But yeah, yeah it was <laughs> yeah, it was probably turkey that they grabbed, if I had to the guess. Leg, I'm no yeah. expert on the holidays. That but. seems like a long time. That was like Richard Sherman. Yeah, Richard Sherman. Young, yeah. That was nice Richard Sherman. Was that Super Bowl Could have been. Yeah, anyway. I remember yeah. there being a Thanksgiving Niner game that was kind of fun. Richard so. Sherman, Russell Wilson grabbing the turkey leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. a long time ago. Oh, right? it was. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think things have changed. Okay. I don't think Russell Wilson even on the team oh, anymore. Yeah, I'll have to check that. I'm yeah. not sure. So there's the, you got a Thursday nighter on Thanksgiving night against the 49ers. And then the very next Thursday, so a week later, mm -hmm. they turn around and play on the normal Thursday night game against the Dallas Cowboys. Wow, two Thursday nighters. Back to back. How do we feel about that? Are people outraged or does it matter? Yeah, or? people are making a mountain out of Moho. I think that everybody plays on Thursday night. You got to play one time on Thursday night. Yeah. I don't think the Thanksgiving night game counts as a true Thursday night game. So they have the short work week. Right. One time. I think they go to the Rams the weekend before Thanksgiving. Okay. And they have to turn around, come home, and play the 49ers on Thanksgiving night. But the 49ers play somebody the, the Sunday before. It works itself and then they've out. Gotta, yeah. And then they've got to come here on the Thursday night. Right. So you get a full week to the next Thursday, but then you get a long week after that to get back to Sundays. It works itself out. It's There's fine. no free lunch. It's fine. It'll it's be fine. fine. Yes, we'll it's survive. I've decided they're going 10 and 7. Huh. Is that okay? Would you take 10 and 7 right now? Wild card 10 and 7. Uh... Would I take 10 and 7? Right now, I offer you 10 and 7. Are you taking 10 and 7? I think I'm going to have to pass. On 10 and 7? I think they might be able to How do a little do better. How good do you think they are? I think they're 11 or 12. Really? Yeah, I do. 
Are you going to play defensive tackle? <laughs> yes, I am, as a matter of fact. Are you going to stop the run? Oh, you should see me. I'm great against Because the run. in week five or week six, after like Derrick Henry runs for 415 <laughs> yards against him, I want you to remind me that they're going to win 11 or 12. Okay, fine. Fair enough. I, I take the schedule and I do it in, in chunks. Okay. I don't actually go, okay, Rams week one win, Detroit week two loss, Carolina week three win. I don't do that. I take them in chunks. So the first four weeks of the season, can you stay with me on sure. this? They play the Rams at home, Detroit, I believe, on the road, Carolina at home, and the Giants at home. Okay. That looks to th- like three and one to me. Okay. That's the way I do it. And the, the losses, the Giants, don't maybe? No, don't, don't know. Okay. Don't know. It just looks like, you know, Detroit's going to be better this year. They were kind of lucky to get out of Detroit with a win last year. True. Now they got to turn around and go back. They had a... They caught Detroit at the right time, right in the beginning of the season. Remember, that was a like a 41-38 or 44-41 yeah. game. It was a crazy game. They got out of there with the win. And then Detroit got hot. And Detroit won the game against Green Bay at the end That's of the season right. yeah. to get Seattle in. So I just look at the Rams, Detroit, Carolina. The Giants are supposed to be okay. I see three and one. Okay. Conservatively, I see three and one. Then they turn around in the next four. They play Cincinnati. They play Arizona. They play Cleveland, and they play Baltimore. Hmm. All right, they're at Baltimore. Yeah, that's four pretty good. I see two and two in those four games conservatively. Okay. So what are we at now? Three and one and two and two. Five and three. The next two games, I'm making the next one a two-game set. They play Washington and the Rams the next two games. Okay. Washington is here. Okay. I'm calling two and oh. On those two games. I don't think the Rams are going to be any good this year. Okay. So now you're at five and three. You're at seven and three. Yep. The next four games is what we call, or what I call, the gauntlet hot shot. Okay. The gauntlet. You ready for the four games? Let's go. Home against San Francisco on Thanksgiving night. The following Thursday at Dallas. Okay. The following Sunday at San Francisco. So they play San Francisco two times in three weeks. And then the following Sunday, home against the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, who everybody thinks is going to be the best team in football. Those are the four games of that stretch. San Francisco at home, at Dallas, San Francisco on the road, Philadelphia at home. I'm calling that the gauntlet. Yep. Oh, and four. I'm calling one and three in those okay. four. Okay. Uh, Niners twice in three weeks. Can't beat Dallas on the road. Maybe. Can't figure out a way to beat San Francisco one out of the two games. Can't get lucky against Philadelphia. I'm calling that one and three. Okay, one and three. So where are we? We're at five and three, seven and three, and now eight and six. Right. Eight and six with three games to go. Last three games of the season. Okay. At Tennessee, home against Pittsburgh, at Arizona. It does feel like two and three. Two and one. I'm sorry, two and one, yeah. Out of three. Two out of three, yeah. Yeah. I think two and one's reasonable with that. That's 10 and seven. Well, there you go. You yeah. just said 10 and seven, so where's my 11 or 12? Yeah. Where'd um, I mess up? Um, the gauntlet? Did I mess up the gauntlet? You want three and one in the gauntlet? Yeah, let's for go 12, three and one for, in the gauntlet. For 12 wins? <laughs> kick, Where did I mess up? They're going to kick the Eagles' ass at home. Did I mess up on the Cincinnati, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore? Maybe they go four and oh instead of two and two. I got them two and two. I think Cincinnati's pretty good. I think Baltimore's pretty good yeah. on the road, Baltimore. Cincinnati's on the road as well in that stretch. I got them going two and two. Hey, look. I got them 10 and seven. If you want 12, you got to tell me where are the extra two coming. Yeah. 
Where did I mess up? Are they going 4-0 and in the first four games? Rams at home, at Detroit, Carolina at home, at the Giants. Sorry, the Giants game is on the road. Okay. No. <laughs> okay, 10-7 and seven it is. You talked me seven. right into it. 10-7 and seven wild card for is the that, 2023 Seattle Seahawks. It's just so tough. We do this every year. Oh, yeah. well, they should definitely beat this team and this team, and then they, they drop I, one they shouldn't. But notice, I'm not doing that. I'm yeah. not going team by team. You're not, I'm, right. I'm going by stretches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm worried about the gauntlet. The gauntlet's brutal. Why can't they spread the Niners game out? <laughs> I remember they opened with the Niners in, what was it, 2013 oh, or 14? It was so fun. That's home a opener tough four-game stretch, isn't it? Brutal. That that makes the playoffs as a wild card, 10-7? Oh, yeah. It does, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Oh, yeah, 10-7 is probably the number one wild card out oh. of the three. All right. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. 10-7. and seven. Can we do other stuff after the four interviews that I love from the last couple of years? I'm ready. We'll do that. Zeke's Pizza has a new awesome app, which has made everyone's lives who order pizza better. Zeke's Pizza has new locations even outside of Washington State in Idaho. President Dan Black rejoins us on Mitch Unfiltered. Tell us more about Eagle Idaho, Dan. Yeah, Mitch, Eagle's been fun so far. It's opened with a bang down there. It's been fun having some unfiltered listeners check in from down there. <laughs> we, had, we had one guy tell us that we were out of Hop Tropic on Twitter, and so I had to buy him a Hop Tropic the other night, which was fun, and he checked back in on Twitter. So that was, it's <laughs> the vast reach of Mitch Unfiltered is, you know, making its way down there. What you don't realize is, is that you weren't even out of Hop Tropic. He was just trying to get a free beer. That's what Mitch Unfiltered listeners are all about, Dan. <laughs> hey, it doesn't surprise me. <laughs> hey, hey, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> I count 25 restaurants, now two states, and I know Oregon is next. It's amazing how the footprint has grown, Dan. I know I've asked you this before. Was this the master plan way back when, or did something change for you and your partners along the way? Well, it wasn't the master plan when we started you know, our founders, Doug and Tom, they basically wanted to live the ultimate Northwest lifestyle. They like to windsurf and ski big mountain powder. And so they realized they were going to have to own their own business to do it. They're food guys. And, you know, at the time there wasn't any really great pizza in Seattle. And so filled the market need and weren't doing much other than wanting to be small business owners. And, but it became apparent relatively early on that we kind of embodied the Northwest values and our roots were here. And it was pretty clear we were the Northwest pizza place pretty early on. And so we realized that at the very least could be Washington, Idaho, and Oregon. And it's kind of fun, even though that vision's been around for a while, to kind of start to have it be realized geographically now. And what's the Black family ordering now that the weather is going to change, we hope, someday? And, and shine the spotlight on some beer for us. Yeah, you know, summer rolls around. We tend to get a little bit lighter on the pizza, so we end up going doing some veggie stuff like Super Marg and Quentin Florentino are good. I mean, we always order a lot of Wood Butcher and Cherry Bomb and Puget Pound are the favorites, but the veggie stuff kind of comes into play. And then the beer mm -hmm. I'm excited for this summer is we're going to do a re-rack of a popular one we did with Fremont Brewing last summer. Uh, Z-Side Frozen IPA, a nice hoppy but light beer that's great for summer. And so not quite sure what date that's going to release, but it'll be a good summer drinker. And that's what I'll be keyed on. You got to download the brand new Zeke's Pizza app. It's better than ever. It is simple to get started and to order your pizza, your beer right to your door. We love Zeke's Pizza. They've been an incredible sponsor and partner of Mitch Unfiltered and they're homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Pitches it ahead to Bantero. 
Vampiro going to take it, fly over the top of Joseph and draw the foul. <laughs> young Put man. that on your highlight reel, young fella. Oh, young fella. What an exciting time for our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered. She was one of the greatest women's basketball players in the history of the University of Washington. Her son, Paolo, was the number one pick in the NBA draft. Rhonda Smith-Bancaro joins us on Mitch Unfiltered. Congratulations, Rhonda. Thanks for jumping on with us here. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It is an exciting time for us. And, you know, there's so much happening so fast. Uh, All good things. Uh, So we're just kind of hanging on. For the ride and and uh, are looking for Paulo to do what he needs to do to live up to that number one pick. Now I fooled you, Rhonda, because you think I want to talk about your incredible son and mom's fantastic parenting, but all I really want to talk to you about is facing Cheryl Swoops in the 1993 NCAA tournament. Ah, oh. <laughs> uh, man. If I'd have known that, I wouldn't have agreed to do that. <laughs> That's why we didn't tell you. How many did she get? That's on? Right. She got 40. I just read she got 47 on Ohio State, I think, in the final four, somewhere close to the final. How many did she get on Rhonda Smith um, in the UW? How many did she go for? You know, I think back then, if I remember, because I actually watched that last game where she where she scored 40 plus in the in the championship game. I wanna say that she might have had she might have been in the twenties, like the low twenties. Oh. Um and she was i believe it was she was in a heck ed too. Oh. Um I think. I mean gosh, time goes by so fast and it all runs together. But yeah, she didn't hit us up for 47. I mean, the reason I remember that is because Coach G, we would still be running. (laughs) So I'm sure that she didn't hit us up for that much. Oh, well, I hope you don't mind that I'm going to call you Rhonda during this interview instead of Paolo's mom. I have two sons, neither that will ever play pro sports, but I went from Mitch to Max and Brett's dad. A long time ago. I don't know when that happens, but I don't. I, 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 yeah. I, do you remember when you went from Rhonda to Paolo's mom? <laughs> oh my gosh, it was probably uh, six years ago now. Yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know. I, I feel like it was kind of a, a substitute for kids calling you, you know, Mister or Mrs. <laughs> Bancaro. You know, it was just kind of like, oh, Paolo's mom. Like I, I think I know her name, but I'm probably not supposed to call her by her first name and. You know, Mrs. is kind of awkward for these kids these days on the West Coast. So I think it was just like, hey, Paulo's mom. And unfortunately, we set the precedent because, like, we answered to those names, <laughs> right? right? Yes, like, we do. Yes, we you do. heard, you know, Mitch or Max's dad. I heard Paulo's mom. And I'm like, I turn around and I acknowledge it. So then they think that it's okay. So uh, we just went with it. Was Paulo's mom surprised that the son went number one? It seems like I don't follow it too closely, but it seems like the nation thought he was going to go two or three and were startled when he went number one. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the best thing about that night was the fact that we had been, I had been watching, you know, the draft for 40 years. Right. Yeah. And so, you, you know, you kind of always knew like one through five or seven were, were always correctly predicted. Right. And so going into the draft, I, of course, Paulo wanted to go number one. So that, that was never a question. Um, 
but you know, the pundits are saying it was going to be a different order. And when you don't have the information, you make it up. So I'm assuming that the pundits were making it up because they had him at three the whole time until those last few days. So um, it was just nice to see a little bit of surprise, you know, and intrigue. Uh, in those top picks, because I think for the longest time, you know, the last several drafts, it just hasn't been that exciting. And I will tell you, we did not know until about 30 seconds before nice. um, they were going to call his name. So it was it was a surprise to us, even though we knew a little bit before. Now, Rhonda, I grew up in Florida and I remember my parents face the faces on my mom and dad when I decided to move to Seattle 30 years ago. Orlando's a long ways away. Can we can we arrange for Paulo to play for the Seattle Sonics when we get an expansion team at uh, Climate Pledge? What do you think? I mean, I think if <laughs> it happens, I feel like it would be a natural, serendipitous move for for him to be able to come back to Seattle. But uh, I hope so. You know, whether he plays for a team that we may get. I hope we get a team. I mean, I really think that for whoever the powers that be thought that we would be okay without a team, I feel like the city now really misses having um, an NBA franchise here. So I hope we get a team back. Were you able to catch many Duke games in person? Will you be able to go see him play NBA games in person? So, yeah, we, you know, we, we caught well over half. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Duke games. We were in Durham quite a bit and went, you know, we decided we there were some, some arenas that we actually wanted to just go witness a game in, right? And it just so happened that Duke was playing there. So um, we went to some some iconic, in, in my mind as a former basketball player, some iconic arenas that I wanted to experience. Um, so we went to some away games. And, of course, we were at the Final Four and in Vegas and, and New York when they were in Kentucky, playing Kentucky. So that was good. We will get to some games in Orlando, of course. The distance doesn't necessarily bother us so much as, you know, there's just time, right? And we have two other kids. Our daughter is on her way to college this fall to play soccer. So we'll need to split our time and and make sure that, you know, we get out there to see her and that our youngest is entering high school. So we want to make sure he gets the same level of support that we provided for the other two. So we'll get to a lot of NBA games, I think. But we got it. We got to spread ourselves thin. We feel like we we said we're going to we're going to do the peanut butter approach. I like it as a parent, as a parent. I like it. So we should tell our listeners that the recording of this interview got delayed by about I'm looking at my phone an hour, 45, 50 minutes. You you had you had to tend to some other business. Tell everybody in our audience why Mitch had to sit and wait for Paolo's mom to do the uh, to do the interview on Mitch Unfiltered. Why did we have to wait? Well, Mitch had to wait because Paulo's mom had to uh, bear witness to him signing his first NBA contract. Yes! So it was pretty exciting oh. and uh, just an exciting time for him. He looked really happy. It was over Zoom, so fittingly enough. Yeah, it was just an exciting time. We didn't know until about 15 minutes before it was supposed to happen. So we were all kind of scrambling around and, and we were able to jump on a Zoom and his brother and sister were sitting next to me watching him as That's well. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. So when Max and Brett's dad called Paolo's mom to start the interview and you told him that this is going to have to be delayed because I'm going to watch the signing over Zoom, 
Mitch told you that he's going to ask you what question once the inter- once the interview starts, Rhonda. What did he tell you? You told Mitch told Paula's mom <laughs> that he was going to ask her what she told what she asked Paula to get her. No, no, uh, no, no, no. Okay, well, no, wait. No, I said I'm close. <laughs> I said, what is Paulo going to get his mom for all of the great things? I mean. The, the stories are legendary and we'll get into them. How how you helped him through the years get ready for this. He's got to buy mom a gift. What is mom going to get? He's pretty frugal. We did, <laughs> we did teach him that. So I think we're probably going to be receiving a new dishwasher. Maybe. Really? No, we already got, we just remodeled. We just remodeled. Okay. Actually, I told him that <laughs> before we remodeled our house. So that is not going to hold. I don't know. You know, that'll be interesting. You know this. Kids aren't necessarily used to buying their parents things. Correct. Right? Right. So they don't, I don't, and he's, you know, he's 19. So I don't know that his mind has, you know, shifted to like what we do for our parents now as, as you know, full grown adults. So I'm not sure. I'll be surprised whatever it is, because it'll mean he really put some thought into it. So I, I imagine though, 19 I'm guessing he's going to get me a pair of tennis shoes. That's easy. <laughs> a pair of tennis shoes. You know, uh, if he's thinking about mom, I'm a sneakerhead still. So okay. I think that would be the easy route would be to just get her some shoes because I he can't really mess that up. Rhonda, do you remember when you couldn't take him one-on-one anymore? Yes. <laughs> well, not because I lost, but because it was really hard to beat him. And I thought, this is it. Like, oh. this is my swan song. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a win. <laughs> and I don't even know, should I be embarrassed to say, cause he is the number one pick in the NBA no, draft. No, so that means no. he's really good. No, it was, I think eighth grade, seventh grade. It was, he was young and I was not young. And you had <laughs> to really struggle to beat him. And you kind of finished that game and you said, I'm not playing him anymore. I'm done. I'm not yeah, playing because yeah. I, don't, I don't want to go through yeah. the embarrassment anymore. I I mean, all of us yeah. parents can relate to that. You don't have to have a number one pick in the draft to be able to relate to that moment when your kid beats yeah. you. Yeah, I just wanted to go out on a win. So I, <laughs> you know, I, I said, I told him, I was like, I don't I don't need to play you anymore. Like, I, I, I got you. And, and, you know, there was kind of a joke about banners because he was getting a lot of accolades and starting to get a lot of accolades. And my only kind of hope was that I said, you don't have a banner hanging in your high school with your name on it only. (laughs) O'Day doesn't even do that. So he'll never have that. So I think I'll have that on forever. (laughs) Dad played football at O'Day and you dubbed as a tight end, right? Mom, Franklin High School. Is that right? Franklin High? Yep. 2,948 points at the U-Dub. I know some of your teammates. I've worked, I think, with some of your teammates. What kind of what kind of football player was Paolo as a kid? I just spent, while I was waiting for mom while she was on Zoom, watching uh, her son sign a multi-million dollar contract, I watched a little video of him playing quarterback, and I swear he was tossing the ball to a running back, number 18, that may, mm-hmm. have, may have been a quarter of his size, maybe a third of his size. He was t- the, the difference in, in height was incredible. Uh, who he was tossing the ball to. What kind of football player he was? I mean, he was good. You know, I think, I don't think he was a good quarterback. That, that's a hundred percent. He was smart. Um, obviously athletic, but he was smart. 
mm-hmm. really, you know, had an intuitive feel for the game. I think that had he not, you know, gotten so tall, you know, he, he could have been a D1 football player 100%. I have no doubt about it. He was an eighth grade All-American. He threw for 200 yards in the first half in that game. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where the other quarterbacks who were in that game are at, but I know I've heard they're like a division one, couple of them are at power five schools. So he was on par with them. You know, he's just, just one of those kids that like, whatever, whatever he did, he really wanted to excel at. He had a quarterback coach early on as well. So we just try to give our kids the opportunity to be the best at whatever it is they say they want to do, except for swimming. One day he came home or I brought him home after like taxiing and around all day. And Michael Phelps is on TV and uh-huh. he's talking, you know, they're talking about like how tall he is. And Paul at that time, I think he, I don't think he was that tall, but of course he was going to be getting that tall. I don't know. He was listening to some interviews. He goes, mom, I, I think, I think I want to, I think I want to try swimming. I think I want to be the next Michael Phelps. And I looked at him and I would, you know, like I said, been taxing him around all day. <laughs> and I said, Hey bud, I was like, I don't have any more minutes in my day for you. So we're going to, we're going to have to let this one go. Let's let Michael Phelps have his 105 gold medals and world records. We're going to have to let, we're going to have to let him be great because I can't fit one more thing in for you. So no, I hope he's able to tell Michael Phelps that story someday. Uh, that'd be great. I hope he is that, that'd be great. Listen, he said a couple of times that my mom, quote, stayed on me, always held me accountable, and made sure I was on the right track. And we hope that that's what all moms do, we hope, with their with their kids. What did that mean? Explain what that meant as it pertains to him. Um. Well, what it really means is that I just was on him. You know, I'm not – I love all my children, and I am very uh, nurturing as a mom, but I'm not that nice about sports. <laughs> Or competition. Yes. So, and you know, that is from my, my own, obviously athletic background. So I just wanted the kids all to make sure that they were giving their all, giving their best. I never let them quit anything mid season. Mm-hmm. I do not believe that everybody should get a participation trophy. Mm-hmm. I think that that is create, don't get me on my soapbox about that. But the point is, is I'd be on them. And if he wasn't rebounding, I was on him about that. If he wasn't playing good defense, I'd be on him about that. Not really about offensively, whether or not he was scoring. I mean, of course, you don't want him blowing layups, but, and you want him to use good mechanics and that kind of thing. But it was just more about, you know, making sure you're being a good teammate, that you're not, you know, hanging your head or having really demonstrative reactions to things, because those things can kind of take you out of your game you know, or take you off, off your concentration. So I wasn't, and I'm not warm and fuzzy about stuff like that. I'm like that with all the kids. So I would be on them. We, there'd be those tense, i.e. Uh, one-sided conversations in the car <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> and, you know, I did that because I don't believe that the world, the world's not, you get a, everybody gets a ribbon. It's just not that way. So I didn't want the kids to be, and certainly not Paulo, given how the accolades were coming. And, you know, you, you, you could kind of start to see sometimes people kind of clearing the path for yeah. it to be smoother. And that's 
just not something we ever believed in as a family. So I would make it probably exponentially harder for him at home just because I knew that you can't control if other people want to clear the path. But we would make our, our feelings known. But you know what I mean? Sometimes yes. they would do it anyway. Yes. Do you get pushback? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, for sure. But probably not as much as you would think because he was seeing the fruits of the labor. Begrudgingly, I would say something about something he needed to do. And then either he would do it or another coach, someone outside the house would say it too. And it would be right. I wasn't right all the time about a lot of stuff that happens on a a playing field or on the soccer pitch. It's just effort and attitude. But you had ammunition. You were an incredibly accomplished player yourself. What if, what if mom was just a typical mom who didn't play and had many things to say like that? It must've been a little bit easier because you had the clout, right? Or no? Um, you know, I mean, I think attitude and effort, right? Those are like things that carry over into anything with the classroom or whatever. So I think even just a regular mom would have the right to say that if, if they, it was coming from a place of, you know, they're wanting their kid to really succeed. Um, I think that for Paulo, it was probably a little harder because he couldn't say, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so there was no out. Um, like, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. You know and I'm like? Okay. That's fine. I mean, he would say that, but of course every kid says that, but he knew that wasn't the case. I did know what I was talking about. So that was probably a higher level of frustration for him. Fantastic. I'm learning a lot. Am I allowed to tease you a little bit before you go about the, about the Duke decision? I really want to know. Of course. Look, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people about Paulo. There's not any Mm -hmm. sane human being. There's not one basketball fan that's sane who would blame him in the least for going to play for Coach K in Durham. Nobody. But I, I, I don't I'm, know. I'm Seattle's been pretty tough. Been pretty rough. That doesn't mean that they're sane. That doesn't mean that they're sane. Yeah. Was there ever a time that the U-Dub was a real possibility? Or did you guys kind of know in your heart of hearts, despite all of your love, both you and your husband's love for Montlake, that he was kind of destined to go fly out of the nest and play somewhere else? That's a great question. And I think it's a two part answer. Okay. So the first part is, yeah, I think there was a time that UW was a real distinct possibility. I think that for local kids, UW is, you know, it, it, it is the jewel uh, in, in terms of being able to go play for your hometown. I mean, it's a great campus. All the things, all the things that you just said, why my husband and I love the school and love, you know, our time there. I think that as things started to shape out, he started to really think like, wow, you know, here are these schools recruiting me and I'm talking to, you know, Coach K and and Mark Few and and John Calipari and Rick Barnes and, and and, and you're having, you know, these deep, meaningful conversations with really the mecca of college basketball right now. I won't say Jay Wright. He didn't recruit our kid, but Jay Wright would be up there too. Um, okay. I forgot Bill Self didn't recruit our kid either. Or oh. not, neither did Tom Izzo. But okay, well, I mean, that's just me being competitive. <laughs> yeah. That's just me being competitive. Okay. However, yes. you know, you're having these conversations with the mecca of college basketball in terms of head coaches, programs, legacy, 
you know, there really started to be a conversation around, gosh, what if a Seattle kid went away to one of these storied programs, right? You turn, when we, when I was a kid, I'd turn on the TV on Saturday morning and it would be those same programs that would be, or same programs where their basketball teams would be playing on CBS mm-hmm. on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And so when you start to look at like, could this kid come from this small market that I think maybe not now, but that I think has always been underrated mm-hmm. and go to a program and leave your mark and say, you know what, you can come and recruit a kid out of Seattle and they're going to be successful all the way away from home, whether it was Tennessee, Kentucky, Duke or North Carolina. And that I think started to really intrigue him about going to a huge program with a huge platform. Yep. You had Marvin Williams, yep. right? North you had Jamal Carolina. Crawford. Correct. Yep. Correct. Jamal Crawford at Michigan. But if you think about the length of time between those two players, I mean, just between their two, their two eras from, I think Marvin would have been the last one. He was the younger, I think, of the two. When's the last time after Marvin, you had a kid that went to a story program and led it? I felt like there were more, but maybe I'm wrong about that. And so, you know, when you start talking about going to those programs and really being, and I want to throw Jason Terry in there too, Yeah. you know, going to those programs and really being an integral part it hasn't happened in at least a decade here. And so it started to, and, and we've had some great talent come out of here, right? So could you go to a Duke? Could you go to a North Carolina? Could you get to a final four? Like those are the questions. Paulo has been wanting to play on the biggest platforms since we were in the seventh grade. He was in the seventh grade. I took him to watch North Carolina play Syracuse at their seat during their senior night. So I took Paulo and the kids and I took another one of Paulo's friends and we went to the game. It was the first time any of us had been in an arena that big. It was at UNC mm-hmm. and it was 21. I think their, their capacity is like 21,000 or something like that. And so it's this huge arena there. Everybody's wearing baby blue or white. It was just an amazing experience. I understand. First time for all of us there. So afterwards, when we're sitting in the nosebleeds, I mean, we're, we're up, we're way, way, way up there. So after that, we, we wait till everybody left. I mean, that's how much of an experience it was. Like we wanted to, everybody was trying to soak it in, you know? So everybody left. So I have Paulo and the kids and, and Paulo's looking up on the court. Nobody's out there anymore. And I'm watching him. And I'm watching his face and I can just see like the one, I couldn't tell if it was like bewilderment or if it was excitement. And so I asked him, I said, do you think you would want to play in an environment like this? Like in front of all these people, I was like, is it intimidating or does it like invigorate you? You want to do it. And he looked at me and he, he like shook his head. No, but he was like, no, I'm not intimidated. I want to play in front of all these people. And that was in the seventh grade. And I was like, okay, like, okay, you said it. Let's see, you know, how we can try to make sure that you're getting the training and and all the good stuff to to try to get you to to where you want. And he's always said he wanted to play on the biggest platforms. He said it when he was at Duke. He said it in his interviews, um, you know, with with the Magic now, um, that he's not afraid of the lights. That's greater than I could have hoped because I I would get so nervous. Like I was not calm like that. 
you're selling yourself short. Was the Washington backlash, you joked about it earlier, was it rough for you and your husband and your family or not? Not really. Um, I mean, I think it was rough because they were directing their comments towards my child. So my, my kid. So you don't want to, I don't want people to be mean or throw their vitriol at any of my kids or kids in general, right? Like fans need to, I don't care how much kids are being paid NIL, like it doesn't matter. They're still 17, 18, 19, 20 year old young people. That part I did not enjoy at all. They, I, they were relatively easy on Mario and I, but we're also not as popular on social media as someone like Paulo is. So that part, I didn't really like that much. And I think that probably the most hurtful thing was that is that people think that when kids go to other places to go to school around athletics, that it's like, Oh, you know, screw him or screw her. She didn't come here to, you know, she wasn't loyal. And Paulo's got tattoos that are all about Seattle. They are Seattle, literally. It's the Space Needle, Mount Rainier, you know, it is Seattle. So he wanted to put Seattle on his back and take it elsewhere so that other people and other coaches would be open to recruiting kids from the West Coast. One of the main questions Paulo got, and even we got at the beginning of his kind of junior year, the big recruitment time, was would you be willing to come this far away from home? And the answer of course was yes. But what we found is a lot of coaches just assume that kids from the West coast want to stay on the West coast. Kids from the Midwest want to stay in the Midwest. And I understand it. It's budget maybe, or data has shown that kids get more homesick the further away from home, but I don't know. And that bugs Paulo too a little bit. Well, Bill self thought that. And so did Tom Izzo. <laughs> and Jay Wright. And Jay Wright. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you remember, of course. Uh, Not that I was counting no. or anything, no. Hey, did my guy Jimmy Beheim call? I hope he called from Syracuse, my alma mater. Did he call? I don't think so. Oh. God. If I remember, I'm trying to think. I mean, I'd have to oh. go down and look. He kept all his letters and stuff. Oh. Um, I, I don't know. I don't. I, I would say probably not. Oh. Probably not. Break my heart. Ladies and gentlemen, there she is. Rhonda, not Paolo's mom. Rhonda on Mitch Unfiltered. (laughs) You're a delightful guest. It was really fun to get to know you a little bit. I've kind of uh, cheered for you guys from afar. And uh, what an exciting time in in not only Paolo's life, but his family's too. Congratulations on uh, just a wonderful time. Enjoy the heck out I of it. I appreciate you. Let's let's do it again. I want your I want mom's analysis like halfway through his rookie year. Come back on and give us a a basketball ease analysis of the rookie in Orlando, okay? Promise. Thank you so much for being with us. Appreciate you. Thanks so much, Mitch. My man, Jay Flo, Jordan Flowers. He runs the Woodenville office of Cross Country Mortgage. He's a jet setter, too. Legoland with the family. A Cavaliers game in Cleveland with Cross Country Mortgage. I hope you don't forget your mediocre friends here in Seattle, Jordan. Never, never. All the jet setting, it's just puffery, Mitch. Just puffery. Oh. 
very good, Jordan. Very good. Danny O'Neill will be very impressed. Good time to be a buyer in the Pacific Northwest. True or false? Absolutely true. Great time to be a buyer right now. Uh, buyers are not having to get into a lot of multiple offer situations and escalate like they were a year ago. Uh-huh. They're coming to reasonable agreements with sellers, not having to waive all their conditions just to get considered. And they're able to get a lot of credits to help pay for closing costs or even take advantage of helping buy that rate down. And last week, I understand you locked in a buyer with an interest rate, at least at the outset in the threes. People listening to this are going to say that's not humanly possible. True or false, Jordan Flowers and how? True. So as referenced in the past, we are taking advantage of these temporary buy downs in the market. What we're doing is taking that seller credit and getting enough to offer the ability to temporarily buy down an interest rate from, say, the start rates are in the mid sixes, upper sixes, and get them starting at 3% the first year and elevates to four and then five and then the note rate. But within those first year or two with rates will come down, they then can refinance into that long-term secured fixed rate. All right. So what am I paying attention to if I'm a buyer or seller? What numbers as they come out over the next weeks and months? Yeah. uh, Two key markers to be watching is the CPI numbers coming out because the last year's CPI number will fall off, which it was a monster in March last year. If we get a lower reading this year, that will then be indicating inflation is coming down, which will be great for long-term mortgage-backed securities. And then keep an eye on the 10-year treasury. If we can get that 10-year treasury number down to about 3.2, 3.25, it's going to be an excellent time for anybody that has purchased in the last year to look to refinance and lower that interest rate as well. And if you're looking to refinance, if you're looking to lower that interest rate as well as he says, you're going to call first Jordan Flowers and his team at Cross Country Mortgage. Phone number? 425-890-2957. Jordan Flowers, the Woodenville Office of Cross Country Mortgage. Great, great partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Pro football player Conrad Ruland was hospitalized with a brain aneurysm last November. He took it as a sign. He texted his mom from the hospital. God had something big in store for me. I can't wait to see where his will takes me. In 2016, legendary Hall of Fame baseball player Rod Carew received a life-saving heart transplant and a kidney too, by the way. The eight-time All-Star, former MVP, seven-time batting champion. His life was extended thanks to a 29-year-old former NFL tight end who tragically lost his life way too young due to a brain aneurysm. It's an amazing story of courage and love and friendship. That young football player's name was Conrad Ruland, and his mother Mary is so wonderful enough to join us here on Mitch Unfiltered. Hi, Mary. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you for having me. We're real happy to be telling Conrad's story. And I really appreciate your willingness to tell the story one more time. So start at the beginning. Tell us about Conrad. Smart, athletic, caring. Give us a mom's perspective. Yeah, Conrad was, uh, he was everything you'd want in in, in a firstborn child. I mean, he was not only just, uh, you know, a great son, but he was a good big brother to his two younger brothers. So, um, kind of like the, the heart, I guess you could say of, of the family, you know, he was 
he was he was that mom and dad when when maybe the the younger guys didn't really want mom and dad to know what they were doing and you know they would bounce things off of conrad and not that he was an angel but he he knew right from wrong and he knew you know to keep his brothers on the straight and arrow and you know help them out as much as possible as well he was very you know from a young age very very athletic very um, active like so active that I used to put bells on his shoes so I would know where the heck he was all the time because <laughs> he was just active and curious and, you know, which which is a mark for, you know, smart. You know, he was uh, tenacious, wanted what he wanted. And, you know, just the way he got into, you know, football, he started that his sophomore year of high school and had he never having never played. And then wow. he, you know, rose to the top fairly quickly because he just had such a strong desire and such a, such a strong work, work ethic. And, you know, the effort was just incredible. where do you get that work ethic from mom or dad? Um, a little bit of both. Um, my husband definitely, uh, his dad definitely is, you know, has great work ethic for sure. You know, having to going through medical school and, you know, he much discipline, but both of us, you know, we both, uh, we both worked hard for everything that we've got. So the incredible twist here, Mary, is you went to pick him up from grade school one day and he got in the car all excited because he had just met his very first professional athlete. Tell us that story. Yeah, that was, that was kind of a fun story. Um, he was going to St. John's Episcopal school and, uh, one day, I guess they had a track meet and so I guess Rod Carew went to go and watch his stepson perform in this track meet. And so Rod talked at the, at the, I guess there was a little assembly or something. And so afterwards, Connor went up and talked to him and he was real excited and he gets in the car and he's just eyes as big as you can imagine. And mom, mommy, mom, mom, I met a pro athlete today. And you know, I want to be a pro athlete. And I said, I know you do. And the whole rest of the day, all he talked about was meeting Rod Carew. So it was like the highlight of his life at that moment. Wow. It was, it was just a really cute to watch. And, um, you know, the, the, that he put, you know, I want to be a pro athlete. So he's always wanted to be a pro athlete. So, and he made it. He played tight end at Notre Dame. He played tight end at Stanford. Yeah, yeah. He played tight end in the NFL for the jets. He caught passes in the NFL. He did have an, an injury or two that kind of halted his NFL progression. And then Mary in the spring of 2016, you tell the story of Conrad filling out his driver's license application. Is that what he was doing? And he asked you, he asked you a very serious question. Yeah. So um, Conrad's birthday was April 4th and on April 1st, he came home and I had sent him, he was with the Baltimore Ravens at the time. And you know, the DMV always sends out driver's license renewals, like really early. So I think we got this like in February and he was still in, in Baltimore. So I sent it to him and I said, honey, I'm sending you this form to fill out your driver's license, yada, yada. And I said, do it right away because your, your license is going to expire. So anyway, he was home on April 1st and he was sitting there and he says, oh, mom, I forgot to fill this out. And it was just he and I home. And I said, honey, you better do that right now because you don't want to be driving on an expired driver's license. I said, that's not good. So he sat down in my kitchen, he's filling it out. And he got to the page that says, do you want to be an organ donor? And he looks up and he says, mom, do you think that I should be an organ donor? And I told him, I said, Conrad, only you can make that decision. I said, it's, it's a very personal decision and you have to decide if that decide if that's something that you, you feel strongly about and that's what you would like to do. And he paused for a minute and he said, mom, are you one? And I said, yes, I've always been one. And, you know, I just think if I, 
if I can't use my organs anymore, give me a chance. But if I'm not going to live, if I could help somebody else, why not? And he hesitated for like a couple of seconds. He said, I'm going to do it. He said, I, I think it's the right thing to do. So he checked the box, stuck it in the envelope, put it in the mail. And I just remember thinking, now this was April 1st. I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I hope it never comes to that. But, you know, I'm glad that he, you know, made that decision. Fast forward seven months and we had him home for Thanksgiving. And first Thanksgiving, he had been home in nine years because he was always on the team, but he had just had an ACL um, injury and he was waiting to be picked back up with either the Ravens or, you know, another team. He had Thanksgiving with us and two days, the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, he says he wanted to come and hang out with his brothers. And he said, oh, I'm going to lift some weights before I come over. Cause I feel like I've been eating Thanksgiving food and probably not the healthiest stuff. I'm going to lift some weights before I come over. So at about 10 o'clock at night, we get a phone call before he, he was a night owl. So he, of course it was 10 o'clock at night. So he, um, he talks to his brother who was in medical school at the time. And he says, you know, I felt this click behind my left eye and I have a headache behind my, you know, on the left side of my head now. And my son says, well, I'm only a medical student. Let me let you talk to dad who is a doctor. So my husband got on and, and he told my husband and my husband says, well, you know, the fact that you're walking and talking, it's probably not, but let's get you to the hospital. And we want to rule out a brain aneurysm. And he was arguing, not arguing, but hesitating saying, you know, it's Saturday after Thanksgiving, it's going to be so crowded. So he was kind of trying to put it off and and so I said, Conrad, you could die from this. And he said, I said, yeah, you need to just go in and we'll meet you there. So by the time we got there, maybe 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes after him, we got in and he, he, or he, he just looked scared to death. And he says, apparently I have a brain aneurysm and apparently it's very bad. They knew already. And so um, this was at Mission Viejo High School here, a local hospital by us, which has a very good neurological um, wing and everything in it too but they said this is nothing that we can handle we either have to send you to seattle or to ucla or to arizona where they really specialize in these so of course we chose ucla because it's here in our home right. state not you know hour and a half drive so they transferred him by ambulance the following day to ucla and they were sending his tests all over the world to to world-renowned brain surgeons and people that deal with this stuff trying to find the best way to tackle this very bad it was in a it was a bad one he had two on the same line and it was right in the middle of all of his speech everything it, it was right in the middle of everything um a bad spot and it was it was pretty big apparently and so they sent it all over the world to see how they could help either go through, go through with a coil or you know open up the brain or the best way so that was like four days of that and then on the fourth day, we're all sitting with him. I never left his side and, and we're in the room. And he says, you guys, I'm kind of tired. Why don't you guys go and get something to eat and then, you know, come back and we'll visit some more. So we, we walked down to a local restaurant by UCLA and we no sooner got there and the nurse is calling and saying something's going on, something's not right. So we basically ran back. And in that time, they already had him down in the surgery room. There was all options were off the table at this point. They had to open up his his cranium and go in there and perform a brain surgery. So apparently it burst while the nurse was in there talking to him and she noticed he was acting different and and then he braided his headache higher than he ever had and, and then he didn't talk anymore. And so they got him down in the, the surgery room and they performed a 17 hour surgery on him. 
and he survived it, but he never, never regained consciousness. His brain just kept swelling and two weeks they, they worked on him and then they finally just, they did a brain dead test on him and declared him brain dead. And that's when they decided to do the, uh, the, the transplants. So. I'm so sorry. Uh, my heart breaks for you and your family to hear the story. I've, I, I've read the story and I, I thought I was prepared to hear it from mom and I'm, I'm, you're never quite prepared to hear a story like that. I know that after the surgery, when he wasn't conscious, I, I think I read where you spent some of that time listening to that incredible heart of your son's. Yeah, it was the day that I knew what was coming. It was actually Monday and um, the Baltimore Ravens were playing the Patriots and he would have always, you know, he loved the Patriots. It was like a childhood team he loved a lot and loved the Baltimore Ravens because that was his team. And they were coming on Monday night football. And and I knew what was coming because the doctor said, you know, we'll have our meeting at, you know, 5.30, whatever. And uh, so I knew that they were, that's when they were going to do the brain dead test. So that day I just put my right ear on his chest where his heart is. And I, I held him um, one arm behind his head, the other one just holding his hand and listening to his heartbeat. Uh, wow. I'm sorry. I was just listening to his heartbeat for the whole day until they had to pry me off of him. And, uh, they said, it's time for me to go. So I had to, you know, I just listened to his heartbeat that whole day. Yep. Now you can listen to that yep. heartbeat in, uh, in the chest of, of one of the greatest baseball players of all time. If you don't mind, yeah. t t tell us, how did you find out that Rod Carew would be the beneficiary? Is it commonplace for families to meet? I don't know how any of that works, Mary. No, actually, when we were leaving Conrad for the last time, I kind of said, I said, listen, we would like to find out who, who receives his, his organs, you know, it's especially his heart. We would like to find that out. And we were told, well, it usually takes years, 10, five, 10 years, you, you know, most, and, and both the, the donor and the recipient have to be in agreement and they have to be notified separately by the organ donation company and yada, yada, yada. And they said, I said, I don't care how long it takes. I would like to meet the people that gets my son's especially his heart. And, um, and then at Conrad's funeral, there were thousands of people there. It was packed. Stand I mean, we couldn't even fit everybody in the church or at the cemetery. It was, it was incredibly so packed. And, uh, I don't know how many people came up to me and said, Mary, do you think it's Rod Carew? Do you think it's Rod? And I kept saying, what? why are people asking me about Rod Carew? This is Conrad's what, what is going on? Of course, for two and a half weeks, three weeks, I wasn't listening to anything. You know, I was in the, my son's hospital room, so I knew nothing about what was going on in the, in the outside world. Well, actually his best friend, the one that drove me, drove him to the hospital, held me by the shoulders and said, Mary, listen, Rod Carew got a heart and a kidney from a 29 year old out of UCLA on the same night that Conrad's donation happened. I think I was going to faint. I, I, I just started to go down. He caught me. I was like, Oh my God. I'm, and I got the chills all over me. So something was telling me that th this had to be. So that's how I kind of, and then I got home and I started looking at the internet and everything. And I, and then I saw 
the heart of 29, Rod Carew's campaign. I said, how does he already know that he has the heart of a 20? How does he already know? Because we're not supposed to know. Well, it turns out that he didn't know, but his campaign was called the heart of 29, which is his number was 29, 29. that he wore. Yes, so talk about coincidences, right? You heard the name Rod Carew and you immediately, it's probably the first time you had heard Rod Carew's name in a long time. Yeah, it, it was. I used to go and watch Rod my, with my dad. We used to go and watch the Angels play. And I remember we both kind of liked, Rod, you know, we thought Rod Carew was a good guy and all of that stuff. My dad talking about it as well. And no, I hadn't heard Rod Carew since Conrad was in grade school. And I didn't really think about it. It was, but then when I heard that, it was just like, oh my goodness, it has to be, it has to be. And then I was on a mission to find out if I could, I didn't have his number or anything like that, but we had a mutual friend, actually the same friend that told me about this. He got me in touch with somebody that had Rod or Rhonda's number. And I called and left a message on their cell phone and said, I think she saved the message, but I think it said something like, you know, this is Mary Ruland, and I believe your husband has my son's heart and left oh. kidney, and if you want to talk, you know, here's my number. And, you know, that was like one of the hardest calls I've ever had to make, and yeah. What was the conversation like when you talked to them on the phone, and then tell us about that first meeting with Rod Carew? Both of them were very excited and wanted to meet us as well, and so it was... uh Shortly before Easter of that year that we met um, Rod and, and Rhonda, they came over with uh, their two kids, Cheyenne and Devin, and they were they came and Devin's uh, now fiance. They were all here and we got to listen to his heart again, which was the most poignant, incredible mm. moment. Mm. I think I just cried. Mm. Um, I didn't realize that... I don't know if anybody knows this, but I didn't realize it, but it sounded like really strong and it sounded like what I remembered. And so I asked my husband and, and I, apparently the heartbeat is like a fingerprint. It stays with the heart. So the heartbeat is still the same heartbeat as it was when it was in Conrad's chest. Your heartbeat doesn't change, which I found really super incredible. And then um, we're big coffee drinkers here and I have, you know, like a really good coffee maker and everything. And it's just, you know, in the course of meeting with Rod and Rhonda and that Rod says, Hey, Mary, can I, can I ask you a question? I said, absolutely anything. Cause I told him, I said, you know, your family now, this you're part of our family. And I still feel that way. He said, did Conrad like coffee? I said, Oh my God. Yeah. I was actually down in the, in the uh, cafeteria buying him a coffee because they thought that might help his head, headache a little bit when he was at UCLA and I was, I was buying him coffee and I sent him a text. Sometimes the written word kind of strikes home more than just me saying these words to him. So I typed him something like Conrad, you're the most, you're the strongest, most incredible person. And I know you're going to beat this with the help of God. I'm going to be right by your side or some, you know, something like that. And he had the most incredible text back to me, mom, I'm going to beat this. God only sends his strongest soldiers to do his hardest work. And I'm a strong soldier and I'm not done here working yet. I can't wait to see where his will brings me. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like the last text that he ever texted to me, which I found, you know, I, I read it later and it was like, wow. You know, so now I look at, I, I have a different arrangement with him now because I, I told him I'd be right by his side. And, you know, because I didn't know how he was going to come out of this brain aneurysm. It was such a bad one. I didn't know if he would be able to talk again or walk again or, you know, we had no idea. 
And so I told him I'd be right by his side, but now I'm looking at it like a different arrangement. Like he's, he's getting his orders from, from the big guy. He used to call him the big guy upstairs. So he's getting his orders from him and kind of giving them to me, you know, to do these talks and to talk to people about, you know, different things. Like we just did a really big tennis slash pickleball tournament with an auction to, to raise money for some of the, the charities that he's, um, that we've opened in his name, like big brothers, big sisters and stuff like that. So I just feel him guiding me with these different charity organizations that we're trying to do in his name and in his honor. An amazing story, Mary. I'm very moved. Yeah. Thank you. It's often been said that that life's most cruel and unnatural twist is a parent losing a child. A parent bearing yes, a I, child. Yeah. And I'm I'm wondering as we finish here, what's day-to-day life for you guys like? I hope you've been able to find some peace and happiness, but how is it different knowing that Conrad's heart beats strongly, like a Ferrari, I think you described it. Yeah, in, I said in, he's in got a Ferrari yeah. in his chest, yeah. Is it soothing that you know that 12 minutes away, I guess by car, Conrad's heart beats in somebody else's chest? Yeah, it's it's comforting. It's it's uh, it's very comforting. Like um, Conrad's birthday was April fourth, so we just had his birthday. So this is a very emotional time, anyway. But to know that you know, I know that Rod's been there on his birthday before to to go visit him and just to say thank you. And yeah, it's it's very comforting to know that that he's still alive in not just Rod but several other people that he's helped he's either saved their life or helped them in some way or another, which is what he did while he was alive. So it's, it's a very comforting feeling to know that part of him is still down here. Absolutely. And to know that I could always call up and say, Hey, you know, I need to hear my son's heart. Yeah. It's, it's a very comforting feeling for sure. Well, from all of us up here in Seattle to all of you and your family, Mary, I wish you all the very, very best, the best health for the rest of your family and peace and happiness. I hope that you guys can smile day to day because this is, as we said, the most awful story of them all. I don't know how anything gets worse than that. Thank you so, so much for uh, sharing your story and your son's story, keeping Conrad's memory alive here with us here on the show. Exactly. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, she's the director of financial planning at our Mitch Unfiltered partner, Evergreen Golf Call, Katie Versio. She's also my arch nemesis when it comes to financial trivia. Katie, how are you? How's everyone over at Evergreen Golf Call? I'm doing well, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Everybody's good over there. Our theme today is what? So today we're doing a market update. Okay, which brings us to three questions. I typically go over three. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good today, so I'm ready for question number one. As I know we discussed quite a bit over the last few months, 2022 was the worst year on record for a balanced portfolio with both stocks and bonds down double digits. So true or false? In 2023, both stocks and bonds are up. Is that true or false? It's absolutely true, Katie Bercio. That's right. It is true. So the market is off to a much better start this year, even though there's a lot more economic uncertainty. Mm -hmm. The stock market's up about 8% and bonds are up nearly 3%. Very good. And I am up one for one, which 
screams at me, quit, Mitch. Quit right now and go out one for one. But I'm not going to do it. I'm going to press my luck. What's question number two, Katie? Okay, so number two is another true or false. We'll see how you do with this one. So the yield curve is currently inverted, meaning that short-term interest rates are higher than long-term interest rates. Is that true or false? I'm going to say false, Katie. That's false. Oh, it's actually true. Ah. So I know it's uh, it's counterintuitive. Typically, you think the longer time frame you have, the more interest you get. Mm-hmm. But it's actually the opposite in this environment. It's typically an indication of a recession, and you actually get more interest for shorter time periods. That's actually surprising. It leaves me one for two. I'm not quitting. I'm continuing to press my luck. I'm going two for three. What's question number three, Katie? The 10-year treasury currently pays an interest rate of 3.5%. So knowing what we talked about in number two, what do six-month treasuries yield? So 10-year yields three and a half. Does a six-month treasury yield 4%, 5%, or 6%? We know more. Question is how much more? I'm going B. I'm going 5% for 667. I'm going 5% for two out of three today. That's right, it is 5%. Yeah, so it's an interesting environment where you only get 3.5% for holding a position for 10 years, but you get 5% on the short term. So it's a really interesting environment with interest rates elevated at this level. We think now is a good time to lock in return. You can get better interest rates on money markets now. There's a lot more options for investors to park their cash than just a regular savings account. It's an unusual time in the world, the financial world, and they are there for you. EvergreenGK.com. Not only a great partner of Mitch Unfiltered, and part of the reason that we are possible on this podcast, but just a terrific resource. So check them out, evergreengk.com. Unfiltered. One fifteen left with a five-point Cougar lead. So our next guest on Mitch Unfiltered, he only threw for 10,000 more yards than I did at the University of Washington in three seasons as the starting quarterback of the Dogs in the 2000s. Let's see, second all-time to Jake Locker, 4,458 yards in 02, which is the best single season in program history. He had three of the top four single games including number one overall, 455 against Arizona in 01. The present-day coach of the Eagle High School Boys basketball team in Eagle, Idaho. Here's our old buddy, Cody Pickett. How are you, Cody? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on. Not Jake Locker. Jake Browning has more yards. He he got four years, though. He got four years. I only got three, so we'll leave it there. (laughs) And the Eagle High School basketball team is... The Mustangs. The Mustangs. Yeah, Eagle Mustangs. What kind of squad we got this year? We got a good squad. We got a good squad. We uh, they're they're making up for the lack of coaching ability, and they're winning some games for us. So, uh, you know, we're we're twelve and two right now. We're right in the middle of the hunt. 
uh, we had a good win last night against a, a rival team. And uh, yeah, we're, we're coming down the stretch of regular season, uh, hopefully be able to make some noise in the playoffs. Your health scare has been well publicized and of great importance to both me and I think our audience. And we're, we'll talk about that. That's why you're here. I, I just got a couple questions, though, off of that. We'll come back. Does the former four-sport high school star, Cody Pickett, get the credit that he deserves for his time at Montlake? Or don't you care about any of that? You know, when people talk about great quarterbacks at Washington, you never hear Cody Pickett's name mentioned. Why? Well, start talking about it then. Start <laughs> talking about it then. Show me a little love there. Uh, I don't know. I'm so blessed to be a part of it. There's so many good quarterbacks. Uh, you know, uh, our senior year was weird. You know, you talked about Rick and, and him not being there our senior year. and It got weird his senior year, but, um, you know, I'm proud of what I did. You know, I played through a lot of things, and uh, we didn't win as many games as we, we, we should have our senior year. Um, but, yeah, I threw for a lot of yards and uh, played with some great teammates, and, and I'm, I'm proud of my time there. So uh, when they start talking about it, throw my name in there. Then. Yeah, I will. When you say the word weird, you were recruited by Jim, Jim Lambright, Signed by Rick Neuheisel. Rick is a dear friend and a regular on the show. You use the word weird. Is it, do you look at it, You now you're a grown man and it's many, many years ago already. Do you, when you look back upon the weirdness of what happened to him while you were the quarterback, do you look at it with a different perspective now than you did when you were in the middle of it as a college quarterback or is it the same same feeling um i don't know i mean I'm, I'm so happy in my life you know i'm truly i'm truly blessed i'm in a great place my wonderful wife is amazing i've got three beautiful children i i own my own insurance agency i get to coach hoops every day so i'm in a great place as far as looking back on things well things could have went different you know i i had a conversation with rick about leaving after my junior year i threw for 4400 yards that year i was projected to be a high draft pick into the first round start of the second round you know i had that conversation with rick about staying and, and i didn't want to leave i wanted to stay you know reggie was coming back for his true junior year so we could leave you know i was projected as a preseason heisman guy um you know there was tons of hype surrounding so i was excited about the season i didn't want to leave i, I love being a part of the washington program you know and then it's, it seems like a couple weeks after that you know the thing happened with rick he was no longer with us uh you know we go through training camp we had a bunch of injuries i don't think people really realize how many injuries we had you know i played a I played a, uh, you know, a full season with a torn pec that people don't really, really understand. You know, I played a sophomore year with a, uh, with a third degree AC separation. And then I played a full senior year. I got hurt against Indiana with the torn pec. So uh, things football wise could have went different. Um, but as far as life wise, I'm, I'm truly blessed. I'm in a great place. So um, if you're looking at straight football career, you know, maybe out of left after that junior year. And, and maybe if you're a higher draft pick, you're talked about as the Husky greats, right? You know, so I wasn't a high draft pick, you know? So, uh, but if you talk about this actual career at UW, you know, I'm confident in what I did, you know? So, so here you are all these years later, you look great. I'm looking at zoom, you're selling insurance, you're coaching boys, basketball. You were a great basketball player. You were great. Everything, a rodeo guy, I mean, everything. There's nothing that you didn't do that. You weren't, you weren't great at. And then recently, you lost an uncle, I think it was, to heart disease, which jolted you a little bit. Start right there if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm playing a golf tournament in McCall, uh, and my wife trailing in the in the cart behind me, and my good buddy Jeremy Newberry that I play with from San Francisco with the 49ers. He's my caddy, and my sister were driving around. I would pretty good round of golf, and uh, it's a match play. So coming down the stretch, I was having a hard time closing this guy out. And <laughs> the, mood, the mood got weird, you know, and it, I, 
you know, I, I knew they wanted me to win, but I was like, is it really that big a deal that I'm not playing very well? So we kind of go and they're just kind of tense. I'm like, Hey guys, cheer up. You know, this is golf. And well, come to find out, they found out my uncle had passed away and didn't want to tell me until the end of the match. So as soon as the match was over, uh, and they told me, Hey, your uncle Jay, passed away. I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? What happened? He said, well, he, he's an actor. He's been an actor forever. Um, uh, talking about an in shape, fantastic looking guy. I mean, he's been an actor for 35 years, right. six pack, good, good, strong in shape guy. And at 60 years old, he was filming a movie and just leaned over on his horse and, uh, Jay, what's going on, Jay. And, and he, he had had a massive heart attack on the scene and was, and, and, and passed away. So, uh, that happened in June. Uh, so, so it was kind of just, a you know, obviously it was heartbreaking because he's loved dearly by all of our family, just a fantastic guy. Um, but fast forward to, Hey, look, if it can happen to Jay, it can happen to all of us. You know, I'm 41, he's 60. Uh, but still it's like, Hey, let's go get checked out, you know? And, and, uh, my aunts and uncles started getting some different tests, uh, a calcium score is a test that, uh, I, I went to, I saw my cardiologist today for a follow-up, you know, 50 to hundred is high hundred to 200 is extremely high. 200 to 300 is off the charts. My dad was a thousand. So everybody's like, Oh my gosh, your dad's a thousand. So he went in and got it, get a stint. Well, Cody, let's get you checked out. I was 1669. Oh. So I was almost twice my dad, like through oh. the roof. Oh. and I've got zero symptoms. I mean, I'm playing basketball with my guys. We got practice here in 30 minutes and you know, in a normal day, I'd be out there running with them and playing. And so after that calcium score, it was the next step. Well, let's, let's not do the angiogram yet. Let's Let's take the next step. Let's go do a CT scan. So they went in with the dye and the CT scan and it showed I was about 70% blocked. Well, that's scary, right? So on December, uh, December 30th, I was scheduled to go get an angiogram where they actually go through your arm or your groin. Um, they check your flow. And if you're too blocked, they'll put a stint in. And on December 30th, I went in, I was missing a game and the nurses said, Hey, you look fantastic. You know, you, you don't look like our normal patients. Uh, you'll probably be in and out. I said, Oh, awesome. I got a game of one. Hopefully I'll be there. <laughs> well, fast forward. I come out, my wife's a wreck. She's crying and shook. And it's kind of one of those like life moments. Like, am I okay? Am, am, am I alive? Like what's going on? And, and the doctor proceeded to tell me, Hey, you're significantly more blocked than we thought you were. Um, we cannot place a stent. We need to do open heart surgery wait, really? Like I feel fine. No. And, and, uh, we'll win. Well, we're going to see if there's a surgeon available. It's December 30th. Uh, we're going to go see if there's a surgeon available. We'll get you in today, wow. like today, like right now. So then he left and then my wife's still a wreck and it's like, okay, my three kids, you start thinking about your three kids, your team, your business, everything is just going through your head. So all kinds of emotions are going through your head. Um, and then fast forward, he came back and said, Hey, look, even if you were to have a heart attack, which you didn't, we'd stabilize. So we're going to have you a follow-up appointment on Monday. And we'll have the surgery next Friday. So immediately I'm like, well, if it was just, I have to have this now, can, am I okay to wait eight days? You know? And so the mist of emotions goes crazy for those next couple of days on, uh, on new year's day, my wife decided to put out our new year's Eve. She put out a post uh, you know, kind of telling everybody our story. I didn't want to put it out. I'm a private guy, uh, but there's all kinds of people in the Valley. And all of a sudden I'm not coaching my team. So people are talking, Hey, where's Cody? What's going on? So, so she put out a post just to kind of summarize where we're at and it went bananas. I mean, it was 500 comments, a thousand likes. And I mean, uh, Kim Grinnell's a dog man shared it. Everybody shared it. And I got a message on new year's day. She was going through all the messages and there was like 500. I'm like, Carly, how can you go check all of them? You know, that's, that's awesome. We're the love we received, but there's no way you can check all of them. And she was, and she got a message from uh, Channing Wiles wife saying, Hey, you know, my husband Channing wants to send you a message. He's a punter. He was a former punter 
at University of Washington. Okay, go ahead. Former punter. Yep. Yeah, former punter. And he sent Carly a, a private message. He doesn't even have Facebook. Hey, I saw your story through here. Um, I'm in the interventional cardiology space for the last 21 years. Um, I've, I've a ton of experience with Cody's stent procedure. I'm also, uh, you know, a good friends with Bill Lombardi, the University of Washington Medical Center. It's worth a second look before open heart surgery. And so immediately I'm like, well, absolutely. You know, so I said, my wife, you know, it's New Year's Day. Should I really reach out to this guy on New Year's Day? He gave me a cell phone number and he said, yeah, reach out. So I sent him a text. Hey, Channing, please, anything you can do to help, that'd be fantastic. And he replies, he said, hey, I just got off the phone with, with, with Bill Lombardi and he's going to be giving you a call. Dr. Lombardi called New Year's Day and just told me, hey, here's the situation. We talked for 40 minutes. It was amazing conversation. Immediately made me feel like there was an option outside of open heart surgery. And we set the appointment to come up on the 10th. So you want to keep going to how the 10th went? Yeah, go. So sit around on pins and needles for, what is that? 10, 10 days. days. Yes. Waiting to go up. Then yes. all the emotions of, you know, hey, I love the University of Washington. You know, I was very, very blessed to have multiple opportunities to play at other schools. From day one, I knew I wanted to be a Husky. From, uh, you know, Jim Lambright, Kerry Conklin, Scott Linehan, those are my guys. I went on, I went on another recruiting trip to Arizona state, but I mean, I had multiple offers Purdue and Tennessee and all the PAC 10 and Boise state, but I just knew I wanted to be a dog. I wanted to be a Husky. So then the emotions of, Oh my gosh, I haven't been back. Now I'm going back for a life altering procedure. I mean, it was emotional. It was emotional. And I flew up the morning of the 10th, got checked into the hospital. And, you know, if you walk out the front doors of the hospital, Husky stadium is right there. I yep. mean, you can hit yep. driver pitching wedge to where I played, I don't know, no 40 games or whatever. I was a starting quarterback. So that was emotional. And then you sit around for, you know, I got checked in at, at noon and the procedure wasn't till four and, and Dr. Lombardi was fantastic. I mean, the procedure was as first class as you could be. I was completely comfortable. I was awake the entire time from the wow. anesthesiologist to the music they had going on in the place, just the comfort I had. And, and they were able to play, place the stint. So they were able to do the stint that they weren't able to do here in, in my Valley. Um, and yeah, so fast forward, uh, I came out and I just couldn't thank him enough. And, uh, you, you know, go. it was just amazing. It's amazing that somebody, the different levels of people, right. Somebody that's unable to do something and saying, you have to have open heart surgery and then going to, now, obviously I'm biased. I mean, to one of the best in the country, if not the world at what he does and just taking care of me. And obviously there's risks and things that could go wrong, but I came out blessed. You know, I came out with some, with him handling the procedure fantastically. And, and I, and I'm, I'm back with my team two days later. So. Amazing. And here we are a couple of weeks later, you're feeling great. You're looking great. I want to go back over a couple things. You told the story beautifully, some important matters. Uh, first of all, if I were to call, if I would have called you a ticking time bomb, would that have been melodramatic or would, would that have been accurate? What did they tell you when they found this sort of blockage? That's what's so scary about heart disease is you never know. I mean, I could have went 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. Who knows? I was, I was blocked, but my, I was still flowing. I was still, I was showing no symptoms. And I just met with my cardiologist today. And that's what, which she said is, you know, Hey, it was great. What bill was able to do, but you never know with heart disease. You know, that's why it's so scary because a guy like me who looks from the outside looks perfectly normal. A guy like my uncle. And this is what, what Dr. Lombardi said is, Hey doctor, I got no, I got no, no symptoms, no symptoms. Hey, Cody, stop. Your uncle didn't either. So that's, what's 
you can't say, I mean, I could have went for years, multiple years, Yeah, but maybe not, maybe you know, not. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm an active lifestyle. I try to push myself in the gym. I coach my kids aggressively, you know? And, um, so who knows, you know, I just, I feel very fortunate to, to have, have had an opportunity to see it at an early stage. Hopefully somebody else that sees this, that has family history, doesn't look at it and pass it, you know, kick it under the rug. If you have family history, if you have something there, you need to get yourself checked. And that's the point. And we've talked a lot about men's health, overall health. We've had cardiologists on the show. You mentioned that calcium coronary screening, that test that you had that was, what did you say, 1,600 or whatever it is that your score was. I've had that done multiple times. I've got cardiovascular disease in my family. I've had that done for years. Thank goodness my my score is like zero. But tell our audience how easy of a test that is. I mean, I, I think you say the words calcium coronary screening, and there's probably people in our audience going, maybe I should do that, but that sounds like I don't want to be uncomfortable. I don't want to go do it. It's an easy, easy test, doesn't it? Talk, talk about how easy it is to go in and get that done. It's it's way easier than your daily treatment when you're a college football player, right? I mean, like you got bumps and bruises. You go in there, you get an ice and stem or whatever they do for you. You check into the hotel. The nurses checks your pulse. She gets, she gets you all set up. You get some dye in you. You go halfway into a tube. Your body's exposed. They run the thing around you. It's 20 minutes. You're in and out. It's it so easy. The worst part is waiting around for a couple of weeks get or a couple of whatever yeah. to get the answer. Yeah. And then they call you and say, what I was hoping for, Hey, Cody, you're good. You got a baseline, but instead they called me and said, Hey, we got a problem here. And so it's extremely, extremely easy. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, your insurance doesn't cover it. You have to pay for it out of pocket, but it's worth it. It's worth, oh it's worth God. knowing where you're at. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Especially yeah. if you know of any heart disease in your family. That's the big one, especially young heart disease in your family. Cody heard of an uncle who passed away suddenly. He went and got himself checked and now thank goodness that he did. Now, Lombardi, Dr. Lombardi's contention, I want to have him on the show as well. His contention is, Cody, that hundreds of thousands of patients each year face open heart surgery not knowing that there might be another much less serious option or road that they can pass. The difference is obviously in recovery is night and day. You would have been in for days after open heart surgery. You'd have been in the hospital. You wouldn't be back with your team so soon. You have no symptoms. We're now a couple of weeks. Do you ever have moments where you wonder, did I do the right thing? Should I have had the open heart surgery? Or do you just let that go? Oh, that's a no brainer. I mean, like to have your chest cracked open, right. And have to, you know, the people that go through that, I mean, I pride myself being a guy from chicken in a road and being a tough guy and playing through injuries and things like that. But yeah. when you get your, when you have to have open heart surgery, that's a whole different animal. And, you know, and I had games circled that, Hey, I'm going to be back by January 28th, or I'm going to be back by February 4th. I had all these emotional things that I got to be there for my team. And the reality of it is, is everybody I've talked to, including Dr. Lombardi said, Hey, look, if they do that, there's no more season. Our season's over March, the first week into March. And, you know, like I said, I had high hopes of being back in a couple of weeks, but from everybody I've talked to, it's so major that you're out for months. So, um, without a doubt, I did the right thing. I'm just blessed that I was able to, uh, you know, my wife was able to share this and the news was able to spread as fast as it did. I mean, I'm just truly blessed to have the opportunity to go see Dr. Lombardi. And that's where, you know, I, I haven't shied away from any of these opportunities to talk to people about it. In the past, when I was playing for the Huskies, the 49ers, I would shy away from, from media because I didn't 
you know, want to talk about your story, but this is different. You know, this is, this is something that can change somebody's life, you know, and hopefully you've got a follower that watches this that says, Hey, yeah. Yeah, let's go get this calcium score. Yes. And they're able to check it like me. And then you might not even have to do what I did. You might not even have to get the 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 stint. You can get on a statin or you know the 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 drugs to help your cholesterol move and different things to avoid all of this and be able to manage it for your life. Yeah. No question. Let's end on a on a light note. Yeah. S- since you didn't do the media while you're a quarterback, I'll ask you the two I'll ask you the question now, many, many years later. Give me Cody Pickett's two or three favorite throws it's got to be one two and three has got to be my last pass in the apple cup but i'll give you a couple others the last the last pass in husky stadium that senior year was hard right i mean i i, I played through all these different things uh you know i i just i i loved my team i i played through all these things that I'd do anything to, to, to help our team win. And, and that year was hard. It was emotionally hard. You know, we, we ended up being six and six and we're playing the apple cup and we're down you know, like we were the two years prior or the years prior to that. And uh, you know, fourth and fourth and short hit Charles Frederick across the middle for a first down. Um, but then I remember coming to the sideline and talking to Gilby and just saying, Hey, I think I can, I can pump Reggie on the bubble and hit Corey down the sideline. And there was a minute left and uh, we pumped Reggie and the corner came down and uh, put that ball in the corner, the corner of the end zone to, to Corey Williams and uh, place went, place went bananas. Go Google that sometimes. I mean, <laughs> the guys in the press box, I think they thought, you know, I think they thought they were going to fall out of the rafters. <laughs> it was bananas. So that was kind of like my walk off. You know, I remember talking to Gilby before the senior, you know, like all the highs and lows and this, you know, that throw to kind of go out of, you know what? I, you know, talked about quarterbacks, at the university of Washington. I was two and zero against Oregon as a starter. And I was three ago, three and zero against Wazoo as a starter. So five and zero against those two rivalry games, say what you want. And we never played national championships, you know, all that stuff, but proud to say that I'm five and zero in those games. So that's probably the, the biggest throw. Second one would hop out would be, uh, against, uh, against Wazoo the year before when we're down 10 with four minutes left, we're down 10 at, at Wazoo with, with, uh, uh, with four minutes left and just getting in the huddle. And we were struggling to say, Hey, Reggie, it's coming. And we threw a streak and I just put it up to him. He went up, made an amazing grab, but that conversation of the huddle, like, Hey, we're not going through progressions go. And here it comes. So those are probably my, my top beautiful, two for sure. Beautiful. Uh, you remember him uh, very fondly as a, a terrific quarterback for the university of Washington. As I said, over 10,000 yards in three years, and he's doing great after some heart procedures and a very scary time in his life. Go, uh, go Mustangs. <laughs> hey, I appreciate it. Hey, and you're in the media up there and everything. 10,200 yards is what I've always seen. And then some people, sometimes they throw 9,900 9, yards. Find that extra bowl. <laughs> it's 10 Get those people corrected, please. You got hey, it, Cody. You got it, Cody. You're the best. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. And once again, it's great to be joined by John Waterstrap, the owner of Fireside Home Solutions. Always a great sponsor, title sponsor of our Beat the Boys competition. John, how are you? Doing great, Mitch. Thanks for having me on. Another football season is in the books, and we know football season is synonymous with fireplaces and Fireside Home Solutions. But still, some cold and damp months ahead, John. Yep, there is definitely some cold, damp months ahead. And there's no better time to buy than these couple months. Uh, February seems to 
always have a little bit of rain and we're getting those cold weathers. Our, our lead times are down. We want you to get those products into your home and keep you nice and cozy and warm. And also we have some great discounts coming. Soup to nuts. What's the time frame now? So right about two weeks. Installers are getting a little bit of our lead times down. So two weeks, we can get that product right into your house and no better time than now. Allow me, John, to ask you the question I asked our other partners. How was 2022 for Fireside? The good and the challenges. What would you say? Oh, if I look back on that, you know, stock definitely being one of those big issues that we had. But again, we, we were blessed with just great customers and being able to get those fireplaces in and be able to stock products that we needed to and people being patient with us and uh, really thankful to have a great year this year. So if you could snap your fingers and accomplish a few specific goals in 2023, besides your Seahawks winning the Super Bowl, what would they be for Fireside Home Solutions, John? Five star service to all our customers, but most importantly is keep our lead times down. You know, we want to be able to help as many customers as we can out there and lead times are important, you know, to get through customers, just like if you're at any kind of restaurant or anything, you want to be able to get to those customers as soon as possible. And like I said, I think stock will be better this coming year. We want to keep our lead times down so we can accomplish a lot next year. I can genuinely say that Mitch Unfiltered would not be where we are four and a half years later without our terrific sponsor, John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions, literally the title sponsor of every audience contest that we do on the podcast. So begin your search for a new fireplace at firesidehomesolutions.com. Unfiltered. Deputies say early Tuesday morning, a man from Green River was driving on the highway, running late to work when he first smelled smoke, then saw this home completely ablaze. He knew what he had to do and jumped into action. Episode 179, and every once in a while, you read a story about someone that just kind of transcends decency and humanity, and with football season in the books, plenty of time to shine the light on such people. Joining us on Mitch Unfiltered, I believe Green River, Wyoming is where we're headed. Resident Ryan Passborg is with us. Hi, Ryan. How are you today, sir? I'm doing well. Did I get it right? Green River, Wyoming? Where's Green River, Wyoming? Oh, we're out here in the middle of the desert. Uh, kind of about five hours from Cheyenne, Wyoming, uh, west of there. But uh-huh. just a small town, small community. Before we tell your amazing story, kind of clue our audience in on just who Ryan Passborg is. Just a normal guy? What do you do for a living? Your family? 32 years old. Tell us about you, Ryan. Oh, well, I'm just a working man. I work in the oil fields. Um, I stand 55 feet up in the air on the workover rigs and uh, Mm. trip pipe all day. And I've got three kids of my own, soon to be married. Um, Just a working man. So you were going to work at what time on Tuesday, February 1st, when all of this happened? Oh, I usually get up about 3.15 a.m., and I was running a little late that morning. Woke up about 3.45 in the morning. Uh, Left the house about 4.10 a.m. and headed on out of the house here and was driving down the road. And I seen flames, and I out here in the boondocks, we think people still burn their trash every now and then. So the first thought in my head was, who would be burning their trash at 4 Mm a.m.? Then I shortly realized that it was a house on fire. Did the morning seem different to you before all this happened, or was it just a normal day in the life of Ryan Passport? 
it seemed a little different. Usually I'm not running late. So uh-huh. I've got to pick all the other crew members up from their houses. And for some reason, I was running a little late that morning. Is it a good thing that you were running late? Or would you have yeah. been in a better position had you been going earlier? Uh, if I would have went been going earlier i don't think i would have seen the fire so there was a reason i was running late absolutely so tell us what you saw you saw a house that was on fire can you describe it to the best of your ability uh just a really dark night really cold it was about 10 below zero here and uh off in the distance there was a bright glimmer of fire and you went right to the scene did you ever hesitate i did not hesitate i I downshifted in the truck and went from 45 to 75 and went blazing into their driveway and didn't hesitate at all. What'd you see when you got to the driveway, Ryan? When I got to the driveway, I threw the truck in park, and that's when I noticed three three younger children coming out of the garage door of the, the house that was on fire. How old would you say they were, these three children? Uh, at that time, I would have said 12 and under. And they were okay? Yeah, they were shooken up and stuff, but no no burns or anything like that. Just scared. One-story house, Rambler? It was a one-story house, modular home. Yeah. You see the kids coming out. They see a, a man come in in a truck and throw the truck into park. They don't know anything about you. You don't know anything about them. What happens next? I run up to the kids and ask them if there's anybody in ha- anybody else in the house, and that's when they kind of stuttered and mumbled that they couldn't find their little brother or their mom. What'd you do with the kids before you went into the house? And then we'll talk about how you went into the house, into the burning flames. I uh, told the kids to go stand behind the truck. And if they got cold, to get in the truck and not to follow me into the house. It's 10 below zero, for goodness sakes. Yeah, absolutely. And they had no shoes on. Oh, my gosh. Any hesitation to go into the house, Ryan? No, I, I went through that damn garage door like the Kool-Aid man. Really? Wow. Yes, sir. You had you had to bust through the garage door? Uh, it was closed. I didn't trim the knob, but I just went through it. It probably wasn't locked. Things They just come right out of it, but I didn't even try to trim the door handle or nothing. I just went through the door. And when you got into the house, what happens next? When I got into the house, through the garage, there was entry to the house. That door was cracked open. And there was smoke and flames boiling out that door. And that's when I got down on my hands and knees and opened the door the rest of the way and went crawling into the house. Were you yelling for the boy? Did you know the boy's name? Were you yelling for the mom? What were you doing? I I can't recall, but I'm pretty sure I was just silent. I had my my sweatshirt over my my mouth, kind of, and my nose. And was just kind of feeling around, crawling around. Mm. Where did you find the boy? You, you found the boy first. Where was he? A uh, couple of feet through that first door. I, I would say five or six feet, and I bumped into the little boy. Uh, very, very dark inside. Fire alarms blaring, full of smoke, and very hot. And I found the little boy, and I scooped him up around his waist and kind of just bear-hugged him close to me as I crawled crawled back out of the house. Was he responsive and conscious? Yes, sir. He was uh, fully aware of what was going on. Um, he did have some injuries, but once I got him outside, the other three kids were already in the truck staying warm, so I set him in the truck also. How, how old was the little boy? Uh, four years old. Wow. 
All right, so now you've got the kids out, and you are aware that there's one left in the house, and it's the mom. Yes, sir, and that's when I made entry back into the house through the same doors that I went through the last time and started crawling back through the house, and I heard some weird noises and realized that mom was taking her last breath air. How'd you find her? Same way I found little boys just crawling through the house and feeling around. How long did it take you once you went in the second time to find her, to bump into her unconscious? Uh, probably about close to a minute. Never thought you wouldn't get out? Never crossed my mind. I just knew I had one one opportunity to make this happen, and it was getting too late by the second. Wow. How'd you get her out? I scooped her up under her armpits. I was down on my knees and put one leg up and scooted her across the floor and drug her closer to me and scooted a little farther back and drug her closer to me until we were able to get outside. How long did that take? Uh, I'm a pretty tough guy um, working in the oil field and stuff like that, so probably about 30 seconds, 45 seconds. How tall and how much do you weigh, Ryan? I am 5'9", and I weigh 185 pounds. So you get her outside the house. The house is essentially burning down, and she's not breathing. What next? Um, That's what When I got her outside, I laid her flat on her back. She was in bad trouble, Um, wasn't breathing, no pulse, and that's when I started performing CPR. And it worked immediately? No, sir. It took uh, two sets of compressions, two sets of breaths. Um, so about two and a half minutes. Unbelievable. Ryan, unbelievable. And then the paramedics showed up and we got everybody to well, safety? It, when I was uh, performing CPR, that's when the, the little girl, uh, one of the first people that I made contact with outside, she had gotten out of the truck and had a phone in her hands, and I looked her and looked at her and asked her, "Did you call 911?" And she responded me and told me no, she hadn't. Mm. And that's when I demanded her to call 911. And while while I was doing CPR, I was actually on the phone with uh, the 911 dispatcher. How long did it take for them to get there? Uh, probably about between eight and ten minutes. And so what's the situation once they arrive? She's breathing again. They get her. They tend to her immediately. The kids are okay. I'm assuming that the four-year-old boy was in pretty bad shape as well. Yes, sir. So after mom took her breath of air and sat up, I got her loaded into the work truck also. And they live in a long drive. They've got a long driveway to their house. And I got them all loaded up, and I drove to the end of the driveway right to Highway 74 or 374, which runs through the middle of the town I live in. And I told them to stay in the truck, and I waited for emergency responders. The first one to show up was a sheriff, a Sweetwater County Sheriff. And then uh, fire and rescue was after that. EMS was after that. So as soon as EMS arrived, uh, they took the little boy out of my truck and took him to the ambulance. And they had to get mom halfway stable, get some oxygen on her and stuff like that inside my work truck. And they asked me to go sit with the little boy in the ambulance because he was he was scared. Had every right to be scared. Mm. And then you go to work. I actually took the day off that day. 
was gonna ask, I was gonna ask if your boss insisted on an explanation of why you were late. Well, you know, they when I told them when I called and told them that I wasn't coming to work and told them exactly what happened, they were a little dumbfounded. I don't know if they kind of like my dog ate my homework type thing, you know. Oh and uh, then it's been all over the news and stuff like that. So they had a, they have no reason not to believe me now. <laughs> Ryan, police deputy Jason Maurer said the following. You know, as a police officer, most of the stories I remember involve bystanders helping first responders in difficult situations. I think this is the first time in nearly 15 years of law enforcement that I've ever heard of a total stranger truly going above and beyond in a way and in a situation that many wouldn't have dared to face. The mom was flown to the University of Utah Burns Center. I assume she's still there. This happened back on February 1st. She's in Salt Lake City. The kids are sheltered at the grandparents' house. And you, my friend, are about as heroic a person. I mean, I, I get a chance to interview athletes and authors and entertainers, for the last 25 or 30 years, I can't ever remember being more impressed with somebody and their story as I am. I'm really touched, Ryan. I I wonder how your life has changed and what you see when you look in the mirror. I'm just a human. I'm just, that's how I was raised. Um, honestly, if I see an old lady struggling with her groceries, I'll help her to her car. I raise my kids the same exact way. It feels right. Uh, makes a better person out of you. And I just hope every little act that I do can help somebody, help brighten somebody else's day. Absolutely. It's funny. All of us that have never faced such a situation probably wonder like I do what I would do. I, I'd like to, I'd like to think I would have done the exact same thing as you did, <laughs> but you don't know, Ryan, you don't know. I don't know that I would be, courageous and brave enough to do what you did until you're actually faced with the situation, right? Absolutely. If I wouldn't have been in that situation, uh, I would be in the same shoes as you. What, what would you do? I mean, you can sit and talk all day long and say, absolutely. I would do that. Yeah. I would do what that guy did. Really can't answer that question or anything like that until you're faced, faced with it. The story doesn't even really end there. Tell everybody what you did after the fact when you went to the store. Well, so I got home and woke the fiance up and told her the kids up and just counted my blessings and loved on them. And I got a call from the grandma asking if I had any clothes or anything like that. And because they lost everything, the house was a total loss. So I actually dug through my personal clothes, the kids clothes everything like that found a couple outfits took them to grandma's house and uh dropped them off and then me uh alexandria price my fiance and her sister miranda martinez all come together and put some money together and wow. we went to walmart and spent a couple hundred dollars on clothes and shoes and just necessities that we thought the family would need and delivered them to grandma's house. Do you have any update on how everybody's doing? Um, mom's doing as well to be expected. Uh, she actually got off the ventilator last night. Uh, the little boy has had one surgery now 
and he's actually walking without holding on to anything or anything like that and been doing physical therapy. Um, I talked to the dad almost daily and the man actually told me he loved me the other day and wants me over for Thanksgiving next year. Has life returned to normal for you, Ryan, with the exception of an annoying podcast host in Seattle calling to talk to you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is back to about the same it was. I mean, I still have some thoughts and some images that I'll have to deal with for the rest of my life, absolutely. But it's changed a little bit because you never know what's going to happen. You could be in the middle of a late night sleep and your house catches on fire and lose everything. I mean, you got to count your blessings day by day. And it made me realize a lot of things. The world needs a lot more people like you, Ryan. You're truly an angel. Thank you so much for for being you. And I, I can't imagine somebody more heroic under the circumstances. And thank you for spending a few minutes with us and telling us the story here on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. How about the turn in weather in the Pacific Northwest last week? And don't you dare complain about it being too hot. Don't know about you, but when the sun comes out and the temperatures rise, the Levy family always looking for fun restaurants to go with outside seating. And maybe that's not the first thing that comes to mind when I say Daniel's Broiler, but whoa. The Les Shy location sits at the edge of Lake Washington with fabulous views. The South Lake Union spot has a revamped deck that allows you to enjoy the seaplanes while having a steak or salmon. And then there are the terraces atop the world in Bellevue. Western views across the lake to the skyline of downtown Seattle. Yeah, they're known for USDA prime steaks and super fresh seasonal seafood, not to mention my favorite bacon-wrapped scallops. But on a nice day, a nice Seattle day, just nothing better than Daniel's Broiler World-Class Steakhouses. Unfiltered. All right, episode 239, the other stuff segment. Are you ready, Hotshot Scott? I am ready. I know you have a lot, but I guess got to give you one quick yes. and final update on a story I've talked about three sure. times. Can I'm I, ready. Can we put this to y- bed, yes. please? Yes. Okay. The two men who admitted stuffing fish with lead weights. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why do we keep coming back to that? Well, because I, I feel like I'm pot committed at this point because okay, this right. is the final update. Yeah. So they stuffed the fish to win these tournaments, right? They win thousands they of dollars. They cheated. Yes. Well, they were finally sentenced 10 days in jail and other penalties, including the forfeiture of a boat valued at $100,000. They're going to jail for stuffing weights in fish to win fishing competitions. I mean, they're going to jail for 10 days. And the best part of that story is I never have to hear it ever again. (laughs) That's true. It's over now. (laughs) I had to see it through. Now you can all sleep. Okay, you got to hear this one. The world is a funny place story. Do you know, are you following the trials and... And tribulations, is that the word? Trials and tribulations so, yes. of Bobby Huggins? Do you know my buddy Bobby Huggins? Oh, from the old Cincinnati Bearcat days? You do, but he's not Cincinnati Bearcats anymore. And then he was at Virgi- West, West Virginia. He's been at West Virginia. He's beat the Huskies in the tournament. And they, yeah, but not, was he the coach back then? I thought then? he might have been I don't the coach. So. Okay, That's maybe. a long time ago. All right, well, there you go. God. Bob Huggins, West Virginia, his <laughs> alma mater. He's yeah. in the headlines for all the wrong reasons, Hot Shot Scott. Okay. An anti-gay slur on a radio interview this week. Oh, that'll do it. The host of the interview on the radio station recalled an incident 
where when he was at Cincinnati, I think this was a Cincinnati area interview. Okay. And they recalled an incident when he was at Cincinnati playing crosstown rival Xavier, where Xavier fans threw rubber penises on the floor. <laughs> okay, classy. I'm just going to tell you what he said. I'm going to quote him oh, on. No. This is a podcast. I'm going to go ahead and just quote him okay. on the radio station. His reaction was, quote, what it was was all those fags, those Catholic fags. That's what it was. Well, he doubled down on the word. Doubled down on the word. Okay. He didn't just say it once and be like, what did no. I say? No. That's just how he talks. That's the way he talks. He's okay. Bob Huggins. Yeah. He gets away with probably more than just about any college basketball coach. Probably not anymore. The punishment has been handed down. It has, okay. Three-game suspension. Okay. He's also going to take a million-dollar salary reduction from $4.2 million to $3.2 million at West Virginia, and he's required to take sensitivity training mm. after using that F word twice, as you say, doubling down yeah. on a Cincinnati radio station. Three-game suspension and a pretty hearty fine. Should he have been fired for saying what he said? I don't know. I mean, I, I think if, if he's getting fined a million bucks, let's have it go to, you know, some some foundation or like they, they have these yeah. uh, these these teen houses in Seattle where everyone's welcome. Sure. You, you know, the LGBTQ after school sure. program. But should he be fired? I, because this is just the first half of the story. I haven't given you this. Oh, second well, then half how can I answer without, without the no, whole no, story? No, 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 no. You know the whole story. You know what he did. Okay, okay. He has not even, I don't think, publicly apologized for what he has said. Well, people have been fired for a lot less. There's a young man by the name of Josh Neighbors. Okay. He's the host of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. Oh, not the guy that played Gomer Pyle. This is a different Neighbors. No, that would be Jim Neighbors. <laughs> well, Gary. Can you believe Shazam, the voice? Shazam. <laughs> Boy, that guy can sing. This is Josh Neighbors. Okay. A 20-something-year-old <laughs> host of a Big 12 podcast for the last many years. West Virginia's in the Big 12. Okay. He played the clip of Huggins' remarks on his podcast to denounce the West Virginia coach and said he would have fired Bob Huggins if he was the athletic director of West Virginia. Okay. But he played the clip of the radio interview without censor. He played it in its entirety, like I just said it, yep. in its entirety because it was a podcast. Josh Neighbors was immediately fired oh. from the Big 12 podcast that he had done, I think, 500 shows on. He was fired immediately for airing hate speech. Oh, in that context, he wasn't rooting for it, was he? <laughs> and this was his quote after he was fired. I made the conscious decision to play Bob Huggins' comments in their entirety and without censoring the slurs that he used. I did that because I thought it was important to get the full context of what he had said. Yeah. I followed that up by saying that I thought it was hateful and also that if I was the AD, I would have had him fired. Neighbors had been with this particular podcast network since January 2020. He had hosted and produced more wow. than 600 episodes. The company said they chose not to budge on their zero tolerance policy for hate speech. He was fired by the company's owner, Utah Jazz play-by-play -play broadcaster David Locke. Come on. <laughs> really? Locked on sports. So he was doing like a, a locked on West Virginia or whatever? Locked on sports. 
Wow. Is the network founded by David Locke. Uh, you know, there's a zero tolerance <laughs> policy here. We're going to have to let you go. David Locke. Wowzy. David the Locke. Man. Neighbors said he did get to talk to Locke briefly on Wednesday. Ooh, lucky you. But not the other decision makers. He tried to make his case, but according to him, Locke's decision to remove him as the host had already been made. So, what do we know? Bob Huggins goes on a Cincinnati radio station and yep. calls them Catholic fags. Yep, twice. He gets a three-game suspension. <laughs> yeah. The host who criticizes him gets fired. The, the host who wanted Bob Huggins fired gets, gets fired. fired. And Bob still got a job <laughs> cashing checks at $3.2 million a year. That's some, some society we've carved out. The world Holy in which we live. shit. That is crazy. <laughs> now, it, it'd be one thing, I think, if if maybe the oh, podcast David network, were, if it was associated with a school. How did it come back to us? I know. It man. always comes back to us, always. doesn't it? Yep, always. Oh, God. You know, like you know, the IMG network. Or, Why do I think I'm going to get a text if David Locke is listening <laughs> to this episode of Mitch Unfiltered? But go ahead. But, you know, if it was associated with a school, yeah. if you did it on campus, if yeah. the school, that's one thing, maybe the zero tolerance. It's yeah. a, you know. Yeah. It's a private company. He was just trying to actually do, in a weird way, Huggins a service by not bleeping his words. Like, this is what he said. I'm going to play it for you. You guys can decide. I just We love firing people. Just let people make a living, would you please? I mean, come on. Locke. Oh. <laughs> Your phone rings. David Locke. Oh, this ain't going to be good. Oh, boy. He ain't calling to say how Mitchie, great I'm doing. Mitchie, Locke here. <laughs> Calls himself Locke. Lock here. Lock here. I'm sure there's more to the story. I'm sure David's got a different version of the story, but really, David Locke is the guy that fired Josh Neighbors for airing the entire clip on the podcast. See, here's the thing. If you beep the F word, it's easy for listeners to think he said Catholic. Right. That's right. Yeah. If you see chaos. That's what I'm saying. He's almost doing Huggins a, a, a service. <laughs> I don't know that I would view it that way. In a way, in a way, he's like not taking well, him which, out of context. Which is worse, yeah. Catholic F-U-C-K-S well, yeah, he, or Catholic F-A-G-S? I'm sure he talked about what the word was. But yeah, you know, I mean, he's yeah, just yeah. in the world of fake news and fake news this and fake uh, news that. He's actually playing the clip in its entirety. Yes, There's, because you can on a podcast. There are no FCC right, regulations. Right, yeah. yeah. But Locke wasn't having any of them. No, he wasn't. He did... <laughs> Rules with an iron fist, that David Locke. It's been said many times. Last week, Alabama uh. baseball coach fired. Remember I told you for the betting scandal? Remember oh, yeah. He was on the phone with the gambler after he scratched. <laughs> right. And what did I say to you? Oh, tip of the iceberg. One week later, the University of Iowa announced on Monday that 26 student athletes are part of a sports wagering investigation. Baseball Jeez. players, football players, basketball <laughs> players, track and field players, and wrestling, and one full-time employee of the athletics program. The news comes on the same day that Iowa State announced it was aware and looking into allegations of 15 of their athletes. Oh my gosh. One week later. We're talking about 41 athletes at the two schools in Iowa are under investigation for gambling activities. Is Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame or no? Not quite. He's, he's not there yet? No. He, no. he gambled on sports? Well, he gambled on his own team's games. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Poor Henry Hill, who was fixing games at Boston College, went away for it. And look at these. Everyone's betting on their their own team. I had now. an emailer who wanted to know why, when you said Bronny James last week on our show, mm -hmm. did you insist on using a Lou Pinella accent when you called Bronny. him? Bronny. Yeah. Because 
I can't stop, first of all. But like, I answered. Here's what I answered. Yeah. He goes, hot shot. Every time he says Bronny, he uses a Pinella imitation. Yeah. Why? And I wrote back, A, because we're weird. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, I'll take B, that. B, because Pinella used to call Brett Boone Booney. Right. And what about All Jeff Nelson? Time. What was Jeff Nelson? Nelly. There you go. He, he couldn't stop but either. Ronnie and Booney are kind of close. Yeah, sure. I know. And then C, probably a little bit of both. Yes. Weird and, I don't know. I, I was any, speaking for you. Any N-N-Y name or L-L-Y. I have to do it in Pinella's voice. <laughs> I don't know why. I have to do it. I'm well, very Bronny, sorry. Say it. Bronny. Bronny's got a new teammate. That's Did horseshit you baseball. You know what horseshit <laughs> baseball means? I get tired of watching it. I love how he asked. Go he, ask the players, remember? <laughs> yeah. Don't ask me. Ask the players. Ah, hole early, hole late. I love how he said horseshit baseball. Do you know what horseshit baseball means? Yes, Lou. I can do the math on exactly what you're talking about. I love that. How about what he said to Wheeler? <laughs> get that fucking thing out of my face. I was scared of him. I used to go in the locker room as an oh, intern. Sure, sure. And I'd, I'd hold the mic right in front of his face, but he's smoking, so the yeah. smoke's getting in my face, and I don't want to, like, cough or draw attention to it. I was like, get was... that fucking thing out of my face. <laughs> After it. Wheeler took about 12 minutes to scoot himself into the position. That's right, yeah, yeah. Well, Bronny has got a new teammate. <laughs> Wheeler's a great scooter, a new high profile, <laughs> A new high-profile teammate. Okay. So you got Bronny James at USC, yeah. and former Washington State Cougar guard... You probably didn't even know he was on the team. Guy by the name of DJ Rodman okay. is transferring from Washington State to USC. Wait, the Rodman? The Rod. Dennis Rodman's son. And his daughter played soccer at Wazoo. I think his daughter is like a U.S. is one of the better U.S. soccer players in the nation. But right? why the Wazoo connection with Dennis Rodman? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe okay. no. I don't know that his daughter played at Wazoo. Did I'm she? fairly certain she played at Wazoo. Okay. Well, then they both did. Okay. Because D.J. Rodman, after averaging 9.6 points per game, six rebounds, should average more than six rebounds if you're a Rodman. One and a half assists <laughs> per game. Shot 38.1 percent from three-point range. He's leaving Washington State to go to USC. Hot shot. There's time for you to go back to college. Really? I have eligibility. And if you do, maybe you'd like to go out to Philadelphia, Temple University. Would you like to be a student right now at Temple University? Oh, sure. I do anything Bill Cosby They are does. offering a, relative, yeah, a relatively new class called Social Perspectives and Digital Pornography. Yes. Let's go. <laughs> God. True really? story. That's a class. It's a class. All right. Professor Jennifer Pollitt. The assistant director of gender, sexuality, and women's studies at this Philadelphia institution says that the student cap for her new porn studies course shot up from 25 to 40 with many more on the wait list. <laughs> Allow students to discuss sexuality, intimacy, power dynamics, and the impacts of the porn industry in an academic space. You know, Utah, the whole state of Utah, uh, they put some laws in place about online pornography that basically says you have to verify your age there's a lot of verification that has to go on and right. so people are like nah i'm not doing that so uporn is no longer in the state of utah you can't log on to uporn in the state of utah let me guess you go straight to locked on <laughs> that's right. david locks podcast network <laughs> yes you get the same thing out of that as you do uporn <laughs> so so the, the rise of vpns are soaring in utah a VPN is a virtual private network. Yeah. So you, it looks like that your internet's coming from somewhere else. Oh. So okay. people of Utah are. So what happens when you try to go on to UPorn from Salt Lake City, Utah? It probably just says not available. Isn't it weird that I, like shit? Who wants to visit Utah? Yeah, I know. And you got the whole drinking thing. You have to get sponsored to go on a bar. Jeez. Yeah, Utah. 
Yeah, you pour, but I, I love how the rise of VPNs in Utah, somebody <laughs> somebody looked at the numbers and there's a big spike in Utah because people, even in Utah, they want to get their online porn. Best of luck to one of your favorite all-time athletes, Bo Jackson. Oh, I, I got his shoes on downstairs, as a matter of fact. I'm wearing the Bo Jacksons today. He's set to undergo a procedure this week. Okay. After suffering from an unusual medical condition for nearly one year, you see Jackson revealed that he's had chronic hiccups. Really? Since July 2022. Wait, almost a year of hiccups? He's got a year of hiccups. Doctors have been unable to identify the cause. Wow. He said he has taken traditional remedies. He's also done everything from have people scare him to hang upside down. This is him talking. (laughs) To drink water upside down. Oh, yeah. He even has smelled the ass of a porcupine. I'm just... This is what Jackson said. None of it works. So he's having a procedure to hopefully relieve him of hiccups this week. I hate having the hiccups. Oh, I mean, it absolutely God. tortures me. You know why I hate having the hiccups? Huh. It's not easy finding a porcupine around here. <laughs> That's true, yes. I need a porcupine's <laughs> ass to smell. That's right. I go out, I, I, I roam the streets, I see cats, I see dogs, yeah. I see no porcupines. That's no good. Dogs and cats don't work. I've tried. Weird in 2023, we don't know how to cure that. You'd think at some point, some scientists would have come up with a way to actually yeah, get rid think, of them. You'd think. What's this procedure? What are they going to do? Does it say? Oh, no, or? it doesn't say. That's crazy. Bo Jackson. More fallout from that fatal crash with Georgia football players Ugh. and Jalen Carter. Did you see this? The father of the Georgia football player who was killed in the crash on January 15th has filed a lawsuit against the University of Georgia. $40 million. Uh, the guy's name is Dave Willock. His son's name was Devin Willock. The suit was filed in Gwinnett County, and it also names former Georgia defensive lineman Jalen Carter, LaCroix's estate, and Athens Strip Club Toppers International Show Bar as defendants. Go where the, go where the uh, deep pockets are, I guess. The group had reportedly gathered at Toppers International Show Bar Strip Club uh-huh. before the crash which occurred hours after the football team celebrated its national championship in Athens. So maybe suggesting a little over-serving? Perhaps. Perhaps? Yes. Wow, that's ugly. A $40 million lawsuit against all of those people and institutions. Mookie Betts is in the news. Do you know Mookie Betts, the Dodgers? Sure. Great all-star? I know Mookie Blaylock, too. I'm sure you do. The, <laughs> the rock band or the, uh, that's the right. ball player? I only know the band. Was there a ball player, there too? Was oh, there was. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty good. The superstar outfielder is opting to stay in an Airbnb during the Dodgers three-game set with the Brewers in Milwaukee. Okay. Ask me why. That doesn't. That seems kind of cozy, but why would he do that? The team is staying at the Fister Hotel, which has been long rumored to be haunted <laughs> amongst Major League Baseball players. And he's deathly afraid of that stuff? Deathly afraid and has oh decided, you know what? You guys go hang at the Fister Hotel. I'm getting an Airbnb with some of my buddies. So you know now what his teammates are going to do. This is how people operate. They're definitely going to find the Airbnb and they're just going to torture the shit out of him. <laughs> they're going to start banging on the window. They're going to sneak in, in the and middle slam of the doors night. and shit. Just to, that's how that's going to go. They have to now. See, that's why. Who was the player that hated his head being rubbed? There was a baseball player. Do you remember that? And then they just started rubbing his head. Of, of course. After like, every home run, they rubbed his head. Yeah. The, the minute you tell somebody that something <laughs> bugs you, the baseball players are going to go right after it. The continuing saga of Matt Areza. Do you remember Matt Areza, the punter? 
Yeah. Oh, oh, like the greatest punter of all time. The greatest punter of all time. He was with the Bills. His first punt was like nine, 914 yards. <laughs> That's right. Remember, he was part of a very serious investigation into a gang rape yep. while at San Diego State. He lost his job with the Bills I do. immediately while the Chargers were being investigated. The Chargers were ultimately dropped. Right. Then there was civil litigation. It's come to light that Matt Areza was offered by the alleged victim in the civil suit $50,000. She wanted $50,000 for him to settle the case. Okay. And he has said, no, I will not do it. It's probably going to cost him more to try the case than the $50,000 he right. could have, the check he could have written to walk away. But he says, quote, settling is admitting guilt. Yep. He told the USA Today, that's not the truth. That's not what happened. I'm not paying anybody. Damn. I mean, what is your name worth, right? In and life? it's come out that investigators are not filing charges because it turns out he wasn't even there. Ugh. He left the party hours or minutes or a time before yeah. the incident took place, whatever incident happened. So And he can't work, right? I mean he, he's not he working. hasn't been able to work, but now turns out I'm sure everybody's gonna line up to sign him. Okay. I, I would think somebody's gonna give him an opportunity unless there's more to the story that I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's telling when a guy like that who was being investigated for a gang rape and might have been facing Ugh. a lifetime in jail. Right. Hey, you pay me $50,000 for this to go away, and he turns it down? Yeah. That tells you a little bit about maybe... No doubt. His conviction about how... Correct. Well, not the right word correct. in this case, but yes. Yes. He's certain that he had no part in this. Yes. I mean, 50 grand, yeah. Like, to have it all go away. But to like I said, what, what's your name and reputation worth, right? Correct. Tom Brady uh, invested... Oh, wait. I'm oh, sorry. David Locke just said, no, nah, he got fired again. He's not going to be on the, in the NFL <laughs> this year. Sorry. Nope. Locke said, forget it. He's out. Oh, David Locke becoming a central figure of Mitch Unfiltered. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady is in, investing in the Las Vegas Raiders. Did Saw that, yeah. Uh, I don't know how much money he's putting into the Raiders in Las Vegas, but uh, according to Fox, that will not impact his $375 million deal with the network to do the broadcast. I would have thought mm. that the major networks would not want a major figure in their booth who owns a portion of the team. I mean, yeah. What happens if the Raiders make it to a big game on Fox? Is it right for Tom Brady to be calling that game? Maybe they'll avoid that. Your your dear friend Adele has signed on oh. to do 34 extra shows at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas. You know, she's got a residency. I don't oh. know when when that all became a big thing. Yeah. A residency in it's Las Vegas. Pretty cool thing if you can get it because you don't have to go on the road. No. And you make the same or better money. You just stay in the same suite. I don't know if she's making very good money. I do have the, the figures if you'd like it, but I don't, it doesn't look like great money to me. She signed on for an additional 34 shows at Caesars Palace. For those 34 shows, she's going to make $68 million. It's only $2 million a show. <laughs> I don't know how you live on that. <laughs> all in all, she's going to do 60 total shows, including those 34. She will be paid $105 million mm. for the 60 shows, an average show cost of $1.75 million dollars per show the cheapest seat in the coliseum they call it it's a 4200 seat coliseum where she performs at yeah. the the vegas uh, caesar's palace six hundred dollars for the uh, the nosebleeds <sighs> the worst seat in the house. worst seat in the house six hundred dollars weekends through november so if you and 
Your wife want to <laughs> join me and my wife? We can go see Adele at $2,400 for four of us to sit in the worst seats in the house. If I'm going to pay $600 for yeah. one ticket to something, God love her. <laughs> it ain't going to be an Adele concert. I'm sorry to say. I mean, oh. You would think the money would be a little higher, but you think about the expense she saves of having to go on the road with musicians and backup dancers. Oh, I've never seen her show, but the, just the whole crew and all that. The, the cost must be astronomical. We're going to do three shows in Japan or whatever. I and mean, what does that cause for flights and all that? So, I mean, maybe you save on that a little bit, right? To just stay stay put in Vegas. I think she's doing just fine. She is. I'm doing not just worried fine. about Adele. She two, will not. Yes. Two million a show. How many, how many songs would you say she does in a given night? We can do per song. I mean, there's setlist.com you can look up. But well, just to give me a give me a guess. 15. So what's 2 million divided by 15? Yeah, who knows? Hey, Siri. What's 2 million divided by 15? $40,000. How long is each song? <laughs> Three and a half minutes. Hey, Siri, what's 40,000 divided by 180 seconds? $444 a second. Yeah, that's not too bad. It's good work if you can find it. <laughs> yeah, she's doing fine. You would be correct. I didn't get paid a nickel for doing Gordon Lightfoot on the show last week. <laughs> no, no, you had to pay to do Gordon Lightfoot. <laughs> I heard from his people. You're in big trouble. Jamie Foxx's daughter says her dad has been out of the hospital and playing pickleball. She doesn't know what everybody's talking about. Right after I said last week, this yeah. doesn't look good. Yeah, what are you talking about? Although, were there any she pictures was referring of him? To... No. There were not. So we're taking her word. You think she's words. lying about her know. dad playing pickleball? Can you believe he's playing the official sport of Washington State pickleball? <laughs> is that what it is? Is still? he doing it here? Congrats are in order to two very famous actors for different reasons. Are you ready? Yep. Robert De Niro. Congratulations okay. to Robert De Niro. Why? Uh, he turned 70. He welcomed to the world his seventh child this week. My God. He's 79 years oh, old. God, he's older than I thought. He and his wife are celebrating Gia Virginia Chen De Niro, April 6th, eight pounds, six ounces. He's 79 and he's got his seventh kid a little girl gia well he'll be happy to teach her to drive at 95 <laughs> Congrat congratulations <laughs> to rocky four star dolph lundgren oh i love dolph lundgren ivan drago another wazoo guy what did he say what did he say to rocky balboa if he dies he dies no what did he say to rocky balboa when they met in the middle of the ring before the fight started. I must break you. I must break you. You're asking the right guy over here. You got to bring that shit to someone else. Not well, over this way. Why are congratulations in order to Rocky Four star Dolph Lundgren. And Expendable star too. He's good in the Expendables. Yeah. I don't know why. He's getting married to 25-year-old uh, Emma <laughs> Krokdahl. He is like 70 years old. Yeah. I don't know oh, yeah. I, yeah. But still fit, still looks good. God love him. He was like some sort of Greek god when he was 22. Oh. I mean, the body on that guy, he was well, just... God, he killed Apollo. That's true, he did. Who would win in a fight? Clubber Lang or uh, Dolph Lundgren? What was this character? Yvonne Drago. Clubber Lang, Mr. T. Clubber Lang They both Drago. lost to Rocky. That's why I'm asking. Well, Who Clubber Lang was one and one against him. He was one and one, yeah. Drago never beat Rocky. They fought one time. Yeah. And then after Rocky beat him, of course, he said, if you 
Girls can change and eyes can change. Eyes. We all can change. Gee, way to force that awful Philadelphia accent on everyone. <laughs> By the way, side note, Trinity Rodman is her name, and she went to Washington State University okay, and go. is now on the women's national Thank team, it looks much. like. There you Rest go. in pieces, Denny Crum, 86. Oh, Denny Crum. Remember Denny Crum yep. led the Cardinals to six Final Four appearances and won two NCAA championships in 80 and 86. Before that, he was an assistant to... John Wooden at UCLA. Wow. Denny Crum was 86 years old. Uh, rest in peace to Don Denkinger. Okay. Former Major League umpire Don oh, Denkinger. That sounds familiar. He yeah. was 86 years old. He died in Waterloo, Iowa. He joined the American League staff in 1969. He worked four World Series over three decades, but he was remembered for the call that he didn't get right. I remember this. Was this on a perfect game? St. Louis had a 3-2 series lead in the World Series okay. against Kansas City. They were ahead 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. Up 3-2. Oh, jeez. Up 1-0 in the bottom of the ninth. This game six, or they're about to close it out. Three outs from the title when pinch hitter George Orta led off with a slow bouncer to the right side. First baseman Jack Clark. Range to field the ball and flip sidearm to reliever Todd Warrell, who was covering the bag. Denkinger signaled safe, but replay showed that Warrell caught the throw on the base mm. way ahead of the runner. Steve Balboni singles, a bunt, a pass ball, an intentional walk. Oh, Before you know it, the Royals win game six, and then the Royals win 11 oh. nothing in game seven to win baseball's World Series all on Don Denkinger. Uh, let's Steve see Steve Balboni here. playing? This would have been 19... Yeah. Yeah, Steve Balboni playing. I don't know what okay. year it was. 1980... Oh, so like the George Brett Royals? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like 85 or yeah, 86? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, I didn't... I don't I don't think I knew that story. Oh, yeah. But God. that's that's the sports gods for you, right? Like, there's no way he could have been, like, three straight pop-ups. No way. That. There's just no way. <laughs> that he could have gotten taken off the hook. Nope. Not going to happen. And he goes to his grave, and that's the first thing anybody right. writes about Don Denkinger, who was, like, a one of the best umpires, I think, one of the best umpires for yeah. a long time in the American League. Like anyway. Bill Buckner, first thing you think of. And, he... and rest in peace to J right, Jacqueline Zeman, the veteran soap opera actress, best known for playing Barbara Bobby Spencer, on ABC's General Hospital, she was 70. She played the same role on the soap opera, ready? Yeah. For 45 years. Jeez. She actually says 50 years, 800 episodes. She wow. passes away at the age of 70. Or has she? <laughs> it is a soap opera after all. We'll see. We'll see if she's really gone. It was all a dream. That's right. It was all a dream, yes. All right. Probably I, not nice that we're making fun here. No, but she, she'd probably be cool with it. No, she wouldn't. Yeah, no, you're probably she right. She's very serious. Okay, sounds Away good. Away from the cameras. <laughs> All right, got some headlines. Are you ready for those? Yep. Colorado State Patrol confirmed a sewer truck spilled waste into the freeway in Adams County. Not exactly what residents had in mind when they heard, hey, the freeway was covered in free shit. <laughs> a West Virginia home security camera recorded the moment a bear wandered onto the porch at night and rang the doorbell. Oh. Rang the doorbell. Yeah. Officials say the 94-year-old woman who lives there that uh, knew this was knew this day was coming, and a restraining order has since been filed by Goldilocks. Very clever. A photographer shot. used the delivery was a little yeah, bulky. I'm all over myself. A little bulky, but yeah, yeah. it was very clever. Took a while to get there. Yeah. A photographer used his drone to capture stunning images of an enormous iceberg off of Canada's east coast. He did. That resembled a penis. 
Oh. Apparently, even Mother Nature has needs. And Bobby Huggins had plenty to say about that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And finally, the website Pornhub, no longer available in the state of Utah, as I told you. After a new no, that was you porn. Did I say you porn? Yeah. Oh, well, that one you can still go to. <laughs> the whole time you were telling me about you porn. And I get those two confused. Oh, it's this, Pornhub. Today's the first day I've heard of them, so I get them confused. Okay, yeah, sure. And finally, the, yes. the, the website Pornhub, yes. no longer available in the state of Utah after new laws were passed. I'm actually a little surprised Pornhub made the decision to leave. Of all people, they should know that pulling out isn't a very safe method. I reluctantly ring the bell. <laughs> it's not a safe method from what I heard in every health class growing up. Well, I'm not sure, so I'm going to... I'm going to uh, register for a course at Temple University to find yeah, out. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> Before we go, uh, may I yes. do one RIP? Yes, please. Anton Schneider, you don't know the name? I don't know the name. He is the father of a daughter on my daughter's club softball team, the Seattle Spice. He mm. passed away as we record wow. this the day before. Um, I met him in August, so we weren't best friends. Um, I liked him a lot. It was great to have a guy who seemed to get as irritated at games as I did. So I kind of bonded that way. Yeah. I'd was see, he? Was she on the the team that went all the way back to the World Series? Or it's no? Funny you should say that. She was not. They they mm-hmm. live in. She played for Ballard Little League. Okay. And in 2021, coincidentally, Piper played on the All Star team. Okay. The one the year before the World Series team. She was her first year. They went to Ballard for a scrimmage. Okay. Oh. The first eight batters for Issaquah struck out by, by this pitcher, like struck, like whiffed. And there were some pretty good kids. I mean, that eight in a go, row. Piper gets up at nine. Misses two fastballs, can't catch up. She throws her a changeup for some reason. Piper grounds out. Nine batters up, nine gone, eight strikeouts. This kid in Ballard. I'm like, Jesus, are we? Do we suck? Who is this kid? Turns out that's Anton's daughter, who's now on Piper's team, who Piper coincidentally played two years ago in a scrimmage. So I just, Anton was a great guy. He loved watching his kid play. He was the game changer guy. You got to have that. The most important person on every team, right? Oh my God. The person who runs game changer. I'll tell you a story about that (laughs) at some point. Yeah. That was Anton. Um, I love his wife and his daughter. They're great people. So so it was, uh, it's a real, real, real bummer. Something sudden or no? He he didn't have, his health was in question. I I didn't really get into it with his wife and find out too much, but um, he had been sick for a while, but I'm sorry. I hadn't seen him for a couple months and I just never thought, well, I'll never see that guy again. You know, I just, you know what it's like with these teams. You fast track these friendships. Five games in one weekend. He spent a lot of time with people, you know? So anyway, rest in peace to Anton Schneider. He was a great guy. And I'm glad I got to know him for the past 10 months or so. Jeez. Yeah. So not to bum everyone out, but, you know, hug your family, hug your kids. and don't know. You just don't know. It's Death is so arbitrary. Why him? And you just, that's what I think about. And probably a lot of people think about as well. And with that sad note, episode 239. (laughs) Don't you have something else? Something about Game Changer? You can uh, end that with something kind of funny? No, that wasn't. It's not funny. Oh, it's not? No. Okay. But I agree completely with. Oh, you got to have that person. People, not everyone knows maybe what Game Changer is because maybe their kids played 20 years ago. Right, right. It's an app that just about every team uses. And they keep track of every single thing during the game. The right, ball. Right. They're the arbiters of if it's a hit or an error, too, by the way. There's always some. Yeah. I don't know if that was an error. I think my yeah. daughter got a hit, right? Yeah. But they're in charge of it. And God love them because I don't want to do it. I've tried doing it. I suck at it. You got to like, oh, it was hit to right field. Oh, but how did the runner score? Hit, forget it, right? Awful. It's just, So anyway. But when you're out of town or when you're at work or when you can't be there on time, boy, that. That app comes in handy. Oh. That person comes in handy, right? He so keeps great. you together. Keeps so the great. team together. That's yeah. right. Yep. All right. Episode 239. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. In the books.